Hey everyone, welcome to Scripture In, Scripture Out, the podcast where we strive to have meaningful biblical conversations to glorify God and to build stronger relationships among the saints in Christ. I'm your host, Jackson. On our pilot episode today, we will be discussing the importance of biblical conversations as a regular practice in our lives. I'm joined by my brothers in Christ, Brian Mooney and Jared Wells. Both of these men attend the worship assemblies with me at the Northwest Church of Christ in Plainview, Texas. Brian teaches high school geometry and serves as a deacon in our local congregation. He and his wife, Chastity, have four children together. Jared manages a local cotton gin and has his own podcast, the Brother Cousins Podcast. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Jared and his wife, Rachel, have six children together, and both of these men have been great sources of enriching conversation about the Word of God and other topics in my own life. So I thought it would be natural to have them on the show to discuss the premise of the whole show, and that is why having biblical conversations on a regular basis is so important. Enjoy the show. So the premise of the whole show, Scripture In, Scripture Out, starting with the reason for the name, most people listening to this show in the Texas and Oklahoma area are going to know some of the people that I'm talking about. But I spent some summers with an evangelist in the church uh, by the name of Mike Hall, and there was a, a time that I gave a lesson, and I put forth an idea in that lesson. and. It wasn't a bad idea, but afterward he took me aside and said, you know, the principle that you're enacting there is something called uh, scripture in. And the idea with that is you take an idea or a something to compare something to, something in the world, and you try to relate it to scripture. Whereas the safer bet is to take something in scripture and try to relate it to something in the world. That way you're starting with a biblical idea first and you don't run the risk of making scripture say something that it doesn't. And coming back to that idea years later for the purpose of this podcast, I thought in a lot of ways, especially in everyday conversation with brethren, we do that a lot. We do a lot of scripture in, scripture out. We're constantly trying to find ways to relate biblical truths to what we encounter every day. And we're constantly seeing everything that we relate to every day relate to biblical truths. We find biblical truths in everything that we do. And that's the beauty of having biblical conversations and having people that we can discuss scripture with and words of life with back and forth is we can find ways to relate those things and teach lessons that God has given us. So that's the premise of this whole podcast is to encourage back and forth discussion. So pretty much every format that you're going to see is going to be either two, three, four, if I can ever afford the equipment to accommodate it, maybe even six people <laughs> discussing back and forth. But typically, three or more, two or more people discussing the Word of God back and forth and words of wisdom that we've been able to glean out of it and from life experiences. And we hope that those things can be an encouragement to you. And the subject for this episode today, which is our pilot episode, hoping that the plane does not crash with the current pilot, <laughs> we're going to try and discuss the importance of having biblical conversations. So I'm going to toss a question over to Jared. Um, I'm joined actually today by Jared Wells and Brian Mooney. They're both brothers in Christ of mine that attend at the Northwest Church of Christ here in Plainview. 
And I'm going to toss a question over to Jared, and that is, when it comes to biblical conversation, in your own words, why is it important to actually sit down with brethren and discuss the Word of God? Why not just simply be a hermit and not ever take a chance on discussing things that are actually important? There's several reasons for that, in my opinion. Um, first of which is concept we've talked about some, that you can't Christian alone. There's intended to be a body. That's the way God set it up. There's no individual Christian in a place in the New Testament. It just doesn't exist. But in context of what you asked, it's important for us to gain other perspectives. We're flawed, imperfect beings with very finite understandings and perspectives dealing with the mind of an infinite God. And the more we interact personally with His Word and then interact with one another in His Word, we gain additional perspectives. And and all of those things help our understanding. They help us when we go out to interact with lost people in the world and understand how maybe an idea is perceived or how to better convey an idea from Scripture. Because Maybe what we're saying is correct, it's just not all that understandable. Mm-hmm. And when we run that by people who are word centrists, then they can help us clarify those ideas. Yeah. It's dangerous becoming a man on an island with with studying anything. You can take that you can take that and, and apply it to science. You can take that and apply it to history. You can take it and apply it to just about any discipline. If you don't take the opportunity to put yourself in a position where you could be Uh, constructively criticized by other people studying the same discipline, you run the risk of getting it wrong and hurting a lot of people around you. And you can talk about that in the context of a doctor, maybe studying medicine and doing it that way. I'd argue it's a whole lot worse (laughs) if you get something wrong spiritually, because it's not just your body that's in trouble, it's your soul. Right. And getting outside of my own echo chamber Mm -hmm. and learning the, the benefit of testing ideals of testing my own thought processes. And and in that there's a, an assistance we provide to one another in testing our motives mm-hmm. along certain lines of thought. And that's a, a test of the heart and that constant pullback of being God centered, God focused and, and being in his word to do that. So mm-hmm. exactly. Brian, you got any thoughts? I, I guess this will probably come out, uh, today, but we, we've already been in a Bible study this morning. Yeah. Perfect thing to follow <laughs> up. <laughs> yes. So we, we spent this morning talking about first uh, four chapters of Galatians. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you plan on talking about that later or whatever, but mm-hmm. I mean, we've already been in a three hour discussion this morning uh, with that. And, and one thing Jared brought out in, in our study this morning is the truth is that the Bible is a hyperlinked document. Mm-hmm. You're there's, there's so many places that you can cross reference and by yourself, it'd be impossible to find all those cross-references. And being able to discuss with people who, who have studied it, maybe, maybe they got into a subject from, you know, from Hebrews, and you've been studying from Romans or whatever, and the, they've, they've really focused their minds on how Hebrews approaches that subject, and you really focus on how Romans does. And mm-hmm. then, then whenever you two are talking, and you're like, oh, well, I went down this path. I, I found this path, you know, through the Psalms and back to Genesis and back to Hebrews and all that. And it's just helping each other find all those cross references, and it's um, it's just building just building your your knowledge. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a school teacher, and 
I saw this illustration a long time ago and I, and I talked to my kids about this, but if you think about your tree, like a brain, uh, like your brain, like a tree, and there's this, this tree that's growing in there. And every time you learn something new, a new little branch grows off and mm-hmm. dies. And from that branch, as you, as you foster that, it starts growing leaves. And the purpose is, is to make that tree as, as big and as full and as lush in your mind as possible. And that's what we're doing as we, we talk about the scriptures like that to, to other, talk with each other about that is we're just fleshing that thing out, man, and just making as, our understanding as lush as it possibly can be while we're here. Absolutely. And I don't know about y'all, but from time to time, I, I, I find myself needing that. If it, if I go too long without having it, it's the, the best way I know to compare it to anything is it's almost like a drug. Really, I hate I hate the crude um, analogy there, but it's like a drug because if I go too long without it, I start to notice the effect that it has on my life. I start to get withdrawals from it. You it's a, like Dr. Pepper or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> coffee, coffee for me. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Pepper is not necessarily something I'm tempted no. with. Sorry. But... But if I go too long without it, I mean, I'll be sitting right in here. We're recording in my office right now, and I will be sitting around watching a movie, watching TV, playing a game, doing something. And if it's been too long since I've had a a, a good conversation about scripture, I can tell. I can feel it in my bones. I know it's it sounds it sounds weird, it sounds superficial, but you can feel it when you're lacking something that your spirit knows that you need. And that's why I've heard a lot of people say that, well, you know, I'm introverted or I'm not social or I don't want to be around people and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I respect that there's different preferences with that. But I think this idea that we're not social to the point that we don't want to have meaningful conversations, I don't think that's 100% true because I used to be that way myself where I really didn't want to talk to people that much, but I still yearn to have meaningful conversations about things. And I think it's not so much about being antisocial, it's just being anti the people that you don't relate to. And that's where the Word of God really comes into play because if that is at the core of what we desire to speak about, we're going to find those types of people that want to have those kinds of conversations and there's going to be no shortage of similarities and common ground to have that kind of conversation. Yeah. And that, that takes me back to, and I'm talking about COVID here for a second, but whenever COVID first started and we were all stuck at the house, I remember uh, whenever we first started setting up zoom, we would have, we set up the session where people would come on and just make sure they knew how to get on zoom before, before we had our first service on Sunday. And in that, it, I was one of the ones helping to kind of get things set up. It was funny because people would come in and they were just coming in just to check to make sure that they were good. But they would come in and they would just they stayed on the Zoom for 30, 45 minutes because they were they loved that people were coming in and that they had somebody to talk to, you know, been been isolated. And, and it was just a just a, an awesome experience seeing that side of it, of people just really wanting to stay on and be able to visit with other Christians. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to back up to where you kind of started with that line of thought in like a drug, you know, God gave us our dopamine system, the reward system, and without getting too far down the rabbit hole with the psychology <laughs> side of it, um, we see where the dopamine system gets overridden and, and turned towards bad things, and, and we see that in other areas of our life. The conscience can be turned poorly and get messed up, but when we train our dopamine system and understand and, and our brain rewards us for doing the right things, I, I think it's absolutely good that we feel that withdrawal. And I'm, I'm the person Jackson's talking about that 
I'm a little introvertish in nature, and you know, the, the small talk, the chit chat is difficult for me. It just doesn't come naturally to me. But I love to have meaningful conversations. It's just, you know, in any given setting, I'm not at a loss for words most of the time. Yeah. We'll uh, be having a conversation about the weather and Jared will be just trembling over there. That's <laughs> that that is his biggest fear. It's it's not it's not the sudden end of mankind from a meteor or it's 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 not the bear in the woods that he can't escape. It's weather, gas prices. But but what's funny about that is is you often find ways to take those kinds of topics and make them meaningful. And and that's that's not trying to sing your praises or anything, but that is a that's that's a a, a technique that I think everybody needs to learn to take small talk and learn to get to the meat of the matter. Talk about things that are meaningful off of those things. Try to find a way to segue into things that matter because I'm not trying to downplay small talk. I'm not trying to say that if you small talk that you're just a terrible person, that you you know have no meaning in life and that you don't care about anything that's meaningful. But I'm just saying deep down, nobody really wants to go their whole life not having good, meaningful conversations about things that matter. Um, but the beautiful thing about small talk is that we can all start there for the most part and work our way to things that, that matter. Right. And, um, and, and, you know, to that idea, we'll small talk a lot and, and in worldly settings where I'm not having religious discussion, you know, someone will make a comment about the weather and in my industry, that's a vital importance what the weather is doing when mm-hmm. cotton we, ginning that's right what we think it's going to be doing um but it always seems to turn to um the abundance of covid conversations that have been had in the gym the abundance of talks about politics um local scale federal international that you know people want to talk about things that are meaningful and so small talk is a segue to get there i'm just i'm not good at turning that or starting that um i just i just want to dive in and start talking about stuff that matters and yeah that's a tough transition for a lot of people you know well, kind it, of that. it's like our job for us as you know as dads we do that with our kids you know we playing in the water or something it's like okay we're talking about water you know what did, jesus said something about water and just just finding those ways to segue from i mean that's exactly what jesus did that's exactly what he did is he took stuff that they knew and understood and start with that and work their way into to the spiritual. And, yeah, we talked you talked about bringing up Galatians a little bit. That's that's what Paul did with Abraham. He was trying to teach teach a specific point there and without getting too much into depth of that material and um, and whatnot. But it'd be so much easier. It, it's it's harder. We think it's we think it's hard to just go straight for the spiritual. We think that it's hard to have a conversation about cotton prices or have a conversation about school board issues or whatever it is in our particular field of study or where we work and our vocation and then immediately get straight into the meat and say, hey, you know, what do you think about Christ? What do you think about what do you think about the Trinity? What are your thoughts on on Melchizedek and the book of Revelation and just get straight into the weeds? But, you know. There have been times that, that I've gotten a wild hair idea and just thought, you know what? I, I, you pick up on something in conversation. Somebody might say a phrase that sounds quote unquote Christian and you're thinking, okay, maybe they're, 
maybe they're open to talking about this. So I, I heard that once in a particular situation when it was with an, a, an inspection client of mine. And I just started in with something biblical and they were all about it. They wanted to talk about it. Now, granted, we had some different ideas, but once that wall was broken down of awkwardness, it was really enjoyable. And, and that taught me something is that I think innately a lot of people want to have those kinds of conversations that are that we may just perceive as day-to-day acquaintances, people that we pass by. They're just programs in the matrix, so to speak. They, you know, to reference the movie, they want to be freed. <laughs> they want to be unplugged. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying that we're the saviors that need to unplug them, but if you've been given the knowledge of the word of God and you have a love for discussing it, there's, there's almost a duty there to bring that out in your life and show that to people because they're obviously itching for it. They obviously want it because I'm, I'm, I'm drawing on one example, but I would be, if I was a betting man, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of people are that way. Well, it's not almost a duty. It is a duty. Right. I mean, we've been given the words of mm-hmm. life. We've been given the words that that bring eternal redemption and that bring bring people to God. We, we've been given that. And as we've been blessed with that, we are to bless others. And what better what better can you give? I mean, there's there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. I've I've started this deal the last couple of years at school. Every Friday, I don't I don't know why I just do it this way, but I always tell them y'all have a good weekend, be careful and God bless. Mm-hmm. And this year I've had there's been two boys that have very recently just started saying God bless to me. They say it real quick. But I know they wouldn't have ever said that. Mm-hmm. And Maybe I'm encouraging them, you know, by, by saying that type of stuff, encouraging them to speak about, about spiritual things and about godly things. And that's, that's just, you know, something we can, that, that we should be doing, encouraging mm-hmm. people in that way. So simple, yet the benefits are amazing. Mm-hmm. Putting God in front of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what we're talking about is the, the ministry of reconciliation. Um, when we come to Christ, come to Him and come up out of those waters of baptism, we are a new creature. And so these things that are important to the world, and we live in the world, we exist in this world, and so our society matters to us. But most importantly is the things that are real, that idea of understanding that we are transtemporal beings. Every single person in the world has a soul that's going to go on for eternity. And like you said, we have the words of life. We've been given that ministry of reconciliation. We're made fellow laborers with Christ in God's redeeming work. And it is absolutely our duty to work that. And and I think your example is really good where it seems like something really simple, but there's one time once a week where you were putting God in front of those kids. And who knows what fruit will grow from those seeds, but you're putting the seeds out there. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that that comes back to an idea that I've talked about quite a bit on other subjects of this trick that the devil plays on us to convince us that we can wait till tomorrow to stop wasting time. <laughs> and that that's that right there. There's so many people that could be convinced, well, uh, I'll ask him that question tomorrow. I'll have that conversation with him later when, when I've built up the courage to do it. And I found out I can build up more courage in a matter of a few seconds, if I just gird up and just decide to do it, <laughs> than I ever could waiting 
you know, I feel like the more time that I wait to have those conversations, the more courage I actually end up losing than I ever end up building up. Because the truth is I'm not building up courage at home to go have those kinds of conversations. And I'm not building up that kind of courage at home to have those conversations with my brethren, too, with people who are believers that I know for a fact that I sit across from and sing the same songs of praise because I've often been that uncomfortable to have those conversations with them because maybe the friendship is a little bit fragile, even though we have the blood, even though we have the most powerful thing, the blood of Christ that can bond us together. Maybe that's not what we talk about all the time. It's underdeveloped. Exactly. Yeah. We've developed plenty of the part of our friendship that consists of, uh, you know, um, Sunday night football or or ball games or common movie interests, things like that, we have taken no time to cultivate the fellow interests that we have in the Word of God when it is crying out within us to be talked about. Mm-hmm. It is undernourished, it is underwatered, and, and it needs to be talked about. And I think that brings me to a question that I want to ask. It, it's a pointed question that I wrote down that I wanted to get y'all's thought on. If we don't outwardly express what matters to us in terms of our belief of God and Christ tied into biblical wisdom, if we don't outwardly express those things in the form of conversations back and forth, it's my belief that we run the risk of fracturing our minds by living a lie. Because we say and we think in our minds, God matters to me. I go to church. I sing. I go to the meetings. I open up my Bible during my reading plan. But if we don't take the time to have those kinds of conversations and actually show what we believe to ourselves, and this is getting into some very psychological territory right here, but I believe it's true because it plays out. If we never discuss and portray those things with great enthusiasms, how can we truly say that we love the Word of God? Well, I've said this before a lot, and uh, this is probably just my my human mind, my fleshly mind speaking to me. But as I was growing up, I would always hear lessons about um, as you go out, you should live you should live as an example of a Christian, and you should you should you know you should look like a Christian in the way that you act. And basically, the way I took it as I was growing up, I know I know nobody ever preached it like this, but basically, the the way I took it in my mind is. If you have to say anything about being a Christian, then you're not really a Christian. And so I took it to that extreme in my mind um, and always thought, well, I'm just going to show people what it's like to live a Christian. And that and that, that doesn't include me actually necessarily speaking about it. And that's totally wrong. Mm-hmm. That's totally wrong. Um, but, I, you know, I just wonder as we as you think about this, you know, what, what's the over what's the. The hardest thing people deal with is it the guilt of not speaking about it, or is it the fear of what somebody would say or do in response to that? And yes, <laughs> so a lot of times yeah. we just choose to live with the guilt mm-hmm. of not speaking about spiritual things and not mm-hmm. speaking about God. And really, a lot of times we we never experiment with the other side of that. Mm-hmm. We we all know what the guilt is like, right. but we don't know. We don't really jump to the other side and say, okay, well, let me try the other side. Let me, let me talk to people and let me see what this is actually like. So mm-hmm. we just, we know what the guilt feels like and forget the other side. Well, let's try the other side. Yeah. Try the other side of that. Try, try, see what the other side is like and see what it is like when you talk to people about God. Mm-hmm. It's that value proposition and there's trade-offs on both sides. You're, you're going to suffer and make sacrifice, but you get to choose the sacrifice. 
Um, to your point, and something we talked about today, going time back to that ministry of reconciliation, if we're truly giving our lives to Christ when we come to Him, we meet Him in baptism, obtain salvation, we take on the life of Christ. The book of Galatians says that it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Then we are to exemplify and typify His life to the best of our ability. Um, and that should increase and grow as we form to Christ each day. But part of that, it's it's not just this idea that a lot of us have adopted maybe accidentally of just stopping sinning, but it's replacing that sinning with becoming a partaker in God's redeeming work where we're taking that gospel to the world. And you're absolutely right. We, we live with the guilt we know um, instead of putting ourselves in harm's way, so to speak, to present the truth of the gospel. Um, in doing that, again, Paul himself said, do I make myself your enemy for telling you the truth? And we worry about that. And it's interesting in our society, <clears throat> we were largely a Christian society, but we still allowed the thought process of, you don't talk about politics or religion. Mm-hmm. Well, Politics are useless. They're all headed the same direction, but religion is what really matters. And now we've changed that conversation where all we talk about is politics, but religion is still taboo in our world. And yeah, since we already had that anyway, a lot of society just said, well, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Or for lots, big segments of society, really, politics has become religion. So, but shifting that mindset to where we don't fracture our mind, we, because you can't, not talk about God's word if you're reading God's word. Mm-hmm. You see the expectation of God, the expectation of Christ, the clear teaching in the New Testament to typify the life of a Christian and to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's given to everyone. It's not a Sunday, Wednesday pulpit thing. Mm-hmm. It is with those you interact with in the world. And that's a, a standard of how we love. We're willing to put ourselves in on the firing line for the good of other people's souls and so seed and love and do that understanding they have choices to make on their own, but being willing to, to put it out there for them. Yeah. And there was a concept that was brought up to me recently by uh, a brother in Christ that has his own podcast, uh, 15 minutes in the big idea. It's Jordan dancer. And he brought up this idea of spiritual gluttony versus spiritual uh, malnourishment. And the idea of spiritual malnourishment being not taking in any, any of the word of God at all, not doing anything at all that is uplifting to your spirit and spiritual gluttony being taking in all the word, taking in all the wisdom and all the knowledge, but never producing actions out of that. That's a form of spiritual gluttony, kind of like taking in food all the time and never exercising. Um, You just get fat with the word and you never do anything to show your love for it. And it, it, it's, it seems like the conversation side of thing, that's always been the part before here recently when this podcast became a thing and, and it became more of a focus. It became one of the more easier things for me to do to become gluttonous. I would love to read and study and learn, but I wouldn't necessarily want to have those conversations. And that seems so paradoxical because why wouldn't you want to talk about it? Like, like Jared said, why would you not want to talk about the things that you've been studying? Because when we've seen a really good ball game on TV, we see each other at the coffee shop the next day or 
at church, you know, mm-hmm. just just being honest, we want to talk about who won that game. Did you catch that last pass? We we have no problem talking about that and it matters to us. Why do you think we have such a big struggle with the word of God being the thing that we want to pour out that we've studied that we've learned? Is it a taboo? Is it is it a, a hesitancy to ruffle feathers? Is it thinking that other people just might be uncomfortable or wondering if they have that same love that we do and that we might come across as, I don't know, pharisaical just because we've studied so much? What, what do you think? Yes. <laughs> um, to your point, and especially using the ball game analogy there, we can have watched the same ball game and seen it different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm an Oklahoma State fan living in Texas Tech territory. A lot of my customers at the gen are season ticket holders at Texas Tech. And, you know, watching the ball game, the football game between Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, saw two different completely thing or two completely different things in, in areas. And it's okay that we disagree about those things. There's no concern. Well, you saw that. I saw this. It doesn't matter. And I think there's a little bit of acknowledgement, even subconsciously, around God's word that there's a truth there. There's an uncomfortable truth in a lot of instances that when I interact with that truth, it has an effect on me. And so in the world, outside of the congregation, outside of the body of Christ, we worry about turning people off or turning them away. Because there's a truth there that they're going to have to interact with. Mm-hmm. And, and when they want to reject that truth because I was the truth bringer, they don't want to interact with me any longer. And then in the body, there's a realness about the word that constantly calls us to a higher standard. Yeah. Constantly shows us where we're not conforming to Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot simpler if we all allow each other, yeah. and, and forgive me the word, but the illusion of... You're you're as good as you can be. Yeah. You're as good as you need to be. Maybe a better way to phrase that. Yeah. And don't have those difficult conversations because part of the truth we're given is to confess our faults one to another. Mm-hmm. And if I'm comfortable enough with you to point out your faults, then you are going to be comfortable enough with me to point out mine. And I don't want to see my faults. <laughs> yeah. I just need yeah. to tell you about yours. Yeah, exactly. And you, you, you brought up something that made me think of uh, one of my high school coaches. This concept of making light of the truth and being unable to ignore that once you've been the truth bringer. I had a high school coach that knew about some kids that were that were dipping snuff in the locker room and they apparently of all places small town Oklahoma that was somehow seen as as wrong to the whole school when they all knew it was going on. <laughs> I mean, granted yeah, it's wrong it's underage kids using tobacco, but just from a socially acceptable standpoint, I couldn't believe that that was the one thing that they would stand their ground on. But the coach he, he said this, you know, he would let them do it, but he said the moment that I go in there and see it happening, I have to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that is kind of like this. Mm-hmm. The moment that you make it known, you can't not do something about it. So I think talking about the psychology of it, I wonder how much of us like to keep ourselves from knowing some stuff so that we can keep ourselves from doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. A more ambiguous statement has never been made. No, you want you want to keep from knowing stuff so you ain't got to do stuff. It's keeping the status quo. Yeah. The rich young ruler was absolutely seeking the savior. Mm-hmm. Until he held the mirror up to him. Yeah. 
and then he went away sorrowful. Mm-hmm. He he thought the status quo was good enough, and I, I think he had some genuine questions. He just didn't understand the cost. Yeah. And once he realized what it was going to be, that interaction with the Savior changed him. Mm-hmm. And to everything we have record of, not for the better. And, yeah. And I, I think part of it also is none of us truly, none of us truly understand. I mean, I guess that's it. None of us truly understand. Mm-hmm. None of us truly understand the depth of, of our sin. Nobody, we don't truly understand the love that God have, has for us. And if, and, and I mean, that's, I guess I'm speaking for myself, but I, th- I think if, if that, if I really understood it to the level of what it actually is, I would not be quiet. I would not be. No. And uh, I was just thinking as you were saying that, I love the song, How Can I Keep From Singing? Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the attitude we should have. When we have that in our hearts, it should just just fill us up so much that we just can't keep, cannot keep it from pouring out. Yeah. Out of the abundance of the heart, it, it should be the abundance of our heart that's that's speaking out. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we're working pretty hard to keep it from coming out. Yeah. And th- there are plenty of destructive things to talk about in the world. There's plenty of gossip. There's plenty of things that seem hopeless. Jared talking about politics. There's plenty of things that seem hopeless and seem destructive to talk about. And they're, they're, they're in abundance talked about all the time. So there needs to be things that are encouraging. There needs to be things that are hopeful spoken about. That is a urgent need out there. And, and you know, we live in a world today where a lot of people make it their life's mission to take care of the needs of others in the world. Um, you know, there's this phrase thrown around an awful lot, uh, social justice warriors. And I believe at the deep, deep core of, of that particular platform right now, there are some people who truly care about other people. But then there are people who are just, you know, quote unquote, virtue signaling, signaling and doing all that other kind of stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty of need out there to have these spiritual conversations that are uplifting to people and that people need to hear. And the truth is, is we have plenty of that in supply. We have plenty of that in supply from having heard it at least three times a week from a public teaching standpoint. But all of us are on our particular reading plans. We all have that particular topic that we love to study about. Um, We're making our New Year's resolutions right now. We've started our new Bible reading plans. Some of us are constantly studying. Some of us are a little bit more up and down. But we all have that particular pet topic that we're studying in scripture that somebody else needs to hear. Mm -hmm. So if that's pouring out, give it. Yep. Um, Or else we're going to find ourselves the spiritually gluttonous or the example I love to use, spiritual scrooges of our time. Mm -hmm. Well, in in spiritual academics, we take that quote unquote Mm -hmm. pastoral view to use a Mm -hmm. phrase from another writer um, where we are taking that approach of being able to talk about a subject without taking the surrender approach where we live a subject. And that's that's evidenced in us in our lack of evangelism and our lack of having these conversations that matter. Um, and just the simple everyday stuff that when you're in this mode of talking and reading, word, talking about God's Word, reading God's Word, living God's Word, you naturally come to that place where you're discerning good and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, along this train of thought, I, I went to Jeremiah, who endured a lot to talk about God's Word. We've talked about putting yourself on the firing line 
making yourself an enemy of people because you bring them the truth. That was Jeremiah the prophet, and he endured it. Um, In 20, starting in verse 7, he says, Lord, you persuaded me, and I let myself be persuaded. You have overcome me and prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction. Because for me, the word of the Lord has resulted in taunting and derision all day long. But if I say, I will not remember him nor speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am tired of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. For I have heard the whispering of many, terror on every side, denounce him, let's denounce him. All my trusted friends watching for my fall say perhaps he will be persuaded, so that we may prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a powerful champion. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. And I'll stop there in the middle of verse 11. But that's it. And and <clears throat> to have these conversations, again, diving right to the heart of the matter, boiling it down to its simplest truth, Jeremiah wanted to stop talking. He wanted to leave it alone because in the eyes of all of his people, all of his peers, all of his companions, he was a laughingstock. Mm-hmm. And not only a laughingstock, they wanted harm for him. And God's word was so much a part of who he was. He said, when I determined not to talk anymore, I'm just not going to talk about it. He said it was a fire in his heart and fire in his bones where he could not keep it contained. <laughs> and if we're going to talk about God's word, then we have to be filling our lives up with God's word, not just in the academic reading of it, mm-hmm. but in the putting it to work and putting it to practice in our lives and giving our lives to God in that instance. I guess I shouldn't have been so quick to dismiss that it is in your bones. That that's not a that's not a crazy idea. That's right. You had to talk about the academic side of things because that everybody's inclined differently, but I mean me and Jared have gotten to know each other a lot better over the past couple of years, and and I found that he's he loves literature, um, he loves history, and and I love those things too, and I love to talk about them. And one of the big dangers for me is to talk about things of a spiritual nature from a historical or from a literary standpoint, and forget the deep spiritual truth of it. And I know that might seem that might seem crazy to some people if you spend a lot of your time in the Word to to miss that. But if you're reading, you know, other great authors out there, just to just to name drop a few that, that me and me and him have read in the past, um, J.R. Tolkien, uh, C.S. Lewis, um, uh, Dostoevsky, uh, Tolstoy, these these great authors that we would consider to be just super intelligent people that when you stand back and look at from a Christian standpoint in terms of salvation and in terms of looking to the hereafter, when you read their writings, not all of them, but some of them, you get to thinking they missed the boat. And that may sound critical, but I would challenge you if you're listening, go read them. And I'm not wrong because some of them have even admitted as much. And I think that that is a warning to us when we're approaching scripture, not to get to the point where all we desire to get out of it is just knowledge that is knowledge for knowledge's sake. Get the knowledge that produces change. Get the knowledge that produces works, conversation, that produces the things that are the fire held in the bones that cannot be held in anymore. Well, yeah, and uh, 
it also, if if you're just fo- focusing on the literary point of view or the historical point of view, just to be honest, a lot of people are bored by that. Yeah. I mean, just to be honest. And oh, yeah. Uh, for the people you're wanting, for a lot of people we're talking about, that we're talking about right now about wanting to affect, mm-hmm. that's not that's not going to be anything that's going to change yeah. their life because that that's not the power of God. The power of God is what his word says, and it's not all yeah. that. Uh, those things that go into it. I would I would love to stand before an audience of literary and historical nerds and just nerd out all day long over <laughs> the stuff that I read and that I've learned and that and it would be fun. It'd be fun, but it would be fun for the worst part of me, for the part of me that's most susceptible to pride, um, which is those things that 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 love for history and for and for knowledge and well, philosophy. I, I'm not saying anything that's wrong with it, and no, I enjoy no. that type of stuff also. Yeah, but I mean if. If it's going to, you know, uh, embolden your pride, then yeah, yeah. I, I can see, you know, how that'd be a problem. But it, I mean, that's that type of stuff's fun for me also. Yeah, which is why it's good to have people around you um, in the body of Christ that are geared towards those kinds of things too, because they can understand the lure of that kind of stuff and can mm-hmm. kind of check you from time to time and say, "Hey, you're you're getting a little too a little too far into the weeds here, man. Let's pull you back a little bit and let's get back to." what actually matters. And and there's been a topic we've kind of bounced around a little bit um, with the social justice that's sought in our society today, which is is not a new concept. It's gone on for ages through many, many different kingdoms of the world. But there is an element there, and I feel like our older generation and our younger generation is trying to find the balance right now where this belongs – and and not anything necessarily about the body of Christ, but those that have claimed religion for a long time and, and made an American Christian nation kind of lorded over people that felt like they never had a voice. And those same people now feel like they have a platform to have a voice. And instead of talking, they're screaming because their ideas have been pent up for so long and they've not been listened to. And this idea of taking the really very dry historical approach to God's word, not understanding that it was a book to reveal the mind of God to humanity that is meant to change our lives. Just that, you know, it, it takes that cold approach to those people and said, no, that's not what it says. You're wrong. And, and you just need to understand it my way. And we have lost the ear that Christ had. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he heard those around them, around him and reached out to their needs in, in a way that was still very God honoring, but balanced the righteousness of God with the need and desire that God had rather to touch humanity for the better. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what we're seeing right now is that struggle to turn away from a society that claimed to be godly and was really just really cold and had conservative values that were truly political at their base. And the social justice aspect of my opinions and points are valid and my experiences are valid. To merge that to, yes, this is what you've experienced, but this is the truth. Let's learn this together as we're all imperfect beings striving towards perfect God. Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, before we get too far away from it, it took us 41 minutes before as scripture was actually quoted on a biblical podcast. So just everybody go ahead and take that and soak that in for a moment. <laughs> Technically, this is a podcast about talking about the Bible. So True, true. So, you know, we don't have to quote scriptures and verses. We can just say <laughs> concepts that are found there and y'all get to do the legwork, not us. <laughs> but you, you mentioned something about the purpose that God gave us the word for to 
to build us up, to change us, to encourage us so that we would follow him. And talking about literary and authors and history and all that kind of stuff. And, and you think about other authors in human history and the purpose for which they wrote books. Uh, a lot of times the goal of writing a book was either to get some pent up ideas out there to keep yourself from going insane because you were so intelligent that you had to put it on paper or or to make some money, just, just to be honest, or to advance an agenda. And I'm sure there's others, but those are the three reasons that come to mind. And you can look at the word of God and you can see those three reasons in there if you want to see them. They're not God's intention. Obviously, God doesn't need money. God doesn't need any of those things. But you can see those three intentions if you're approaching it from that standpoint. If, if you approach the word of God from a historical, a literary, a scientific standpoint, you can glean those things out of it. So the way I look at it, that we need to approach biblical conversations just like we approach the word of God. We need to approach them from the standpoint of, is this going to make me better? Is it going to change me? Not, is it going to advance my agenda? or enrich my my knowledge just for the sake of puffing me up and making me feel better about what I know. Because that's been a big trap for me for, for, for having these kinds of discussions. I'll yep. think, okay, well, uh, you know, poker night's coming up and, you know, the guys are going to be there. Have I studied enough to offer something, you know, because inevitably in those kinds of situations, biblical conversation is going to come up. Somebody's going to share something and I'm thinking, do I have enough to offer? Or if it's a gathering of, of people who are really smart um, and, and, and you've seen it, you've, you've been at, been at church, uh, been in a public place and, and you notice there's a certain group of people that are gathered around and you know that they are of a different caliber of learning. They've studied a bunch, they know a bunch. And I think in younger years, I definitely struggled thinking, do I have enough to offer that conversation? So the question I would pose is how do you create a culture of a conversation where you promote everybody to share and talk and get that fire out so it doesn't fester inside. I, I, I think part of it is um, just being an example of being a part of that, but it, it may not be that you immediately jump into a, you know, a group of guys who are 20 or, 30, 20 or 30 years older than you and all of a sudden you're throwing out stuff. It's mm -hmm. fine to come stand in a conversation, come quietly, come stand in there, listen to them. Yeah. And do that for a while. And then, mm -hmm. you, I mean, you learn about how that interaction works. And yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely, I mean, I guess this is a group of introverts here together. We're uniting together here, but. <laughs> I don't know about me. Y'all too. <laughs> yeah, you guys can go be together. <laughs> no, but I'm definitely that way also. I, I'm like happy to be by myself or whatever, but um, it's just been fun for me to, to learn how to do that and to see a group of guys, especially you know, at church, see a group of guys with the Bible or whatever open. And and I was younger, I I did not have anything to contribute, but just to go and quietly mm -hmm. work my way into the circle, kind of nestle in mm -hmm. there a little bit and just, <laughs> just listen and see how that interaction works. I mean, it's like going to the gym or whatever, you know, if you've never been to a gym and there's a bunch of old guys sitting around a table, you walk in, that is kind of intimidating. But once you just go and sit down for a while and mm -hmm. nobody, you know, you just sit there and then, you know, you just figure out how it works. And then you just, then it's like, you love it. I mean, then it yeah. becomes fun. It yes. really does become a blast. Yeah. And around creating that culture, you, you would hope that the culture of ingesting God's word in the right way to nourish your, your spirit is there. And we've got 
old guys that have been doing that for years. We've got middle-aged guys that are still in the process of cultivating that and, and learning and growing in God's Word, and then young guys who are seeing that in the older guys. And, and keep saying guys because those are the circles I run, but women too. Um, my wife is a great source of bouncing stuff off of. Yeah. Um, but as far as the culture goes, it's seeing the need and, and having that desire. And from my perspective right now, even approaching elders is going and listening to what they say and then trying to pose questions to allow them to process their ideas. And, and a lot of the questions I'm going to ask, they've encountered before. And so they will be ready. But, you know, I have a mind that, that operates a little differently. So sometimes I come up with a question either they hadn't thought about or hadn't thought about in a while or in a way they haven't thought about it. Um, and then to go the other direction, encouraging our young people to get involved in that process when one walks up and is listening to the conversation to ask them without, you know, handing the 12 gauge to a 15 year old <laughs> and watching it rock so you can get some amusement out of it. <laughs> Lay a question out for them to encourage them to talk. Number one, get comfortable doing that and allow them to think through the process and encourage that if they need some help through that process mm -hmm. to think critically, to answer questions on the fly, to work with God's word and interact with God's word and interact with their family in Christ, to cultivate that culture in the generation coming up, to include them and let them know that their thought process is valid and that we need their perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Three things on, on everything that y'all just said. Number one, if you're a teenager and you're wanting to get involved in those kinds of conversations, I got news for you. It's going to be awkward. <laughs> you're a 15 year old. You're a teenager. <laughs> Everything's awkward. That's right. So just get involved and, and do what Brian was talking about. Number yes. two, listen, because this is another question that we're going to ask later about the, the concept of listening and how much it contributes to conversation. But there is no such thing as a conversation without listening. You, you, conversations are, we're going to talk about what percentage you think is on one side or another, but an integral part of conversations is to listen. So if the role that you can play in having the biblical conversation is to listen, I guarantee you, if you do a good job of listening, you're going to produce some really good questions. Mm -hmm. If all you're doing is just thinking the whole time that they're talking, how can I contribute to this conversation? What can I say that's profound and that's going to wow everybody? you're going to have the most shallow questions or the most shallow things to say, most likely. But what's interesting is that the more you focus on listening to people, the better thoughts you actually end up engendering to talk about. And this goes back to something that we talked about in our Galatians study today is, is I found this is, you know, it may be trivial to y'all and it may be trivial to, trivial to people listening, but this is amazing. So give me an opportunity to share it <laughs> because it's a big revelation to me. Just recently, I found out that if you listen to a lesson that's being preached or a talk that's being given or read something with the intention of asking the author or the speaker or somebody else who cares about the topic questions geared towards that thing, you are going to internalize that information and you are going to develop meaningful questions like you never could have if you just were listening, reading or going through that material just for the purpose of hoping that you'll gain something to tell somebody that's profound. And that's so counterintuitive because you're starting from a premise of how can I help others? Because that's the purpose of asking those questions. But if you start from the premise of how can I listen to this to help me be smarter, 
you're never going to get to that point. So it's in a way, it's almost like the wisdom of God turning the wisdom of the world on its head, because one way you're approaching it with humility, the other way you're approaching it with pride. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a third thing that I was going to say, but it got lost in the excitement. So I'm going to leave it there. In the, up in, a second. in the ether. <laughs> That's what I've been doing for, for a while now as I've never taken notes listening to lessons because I was, I didn't, I, I just, I don't know. I'm just not good at doing that. But what I've done for the last several months is as I'm, as I'm listening to a guy preach, I've been taking notes, but what I've been doing is I'm not, I do not write everything down. I take two or three points from that lesson that maybe, maybe it was something that spurred me on to think about or something, but I try not to be a slave to writing everything down because then I would just be focused on that. But just doing those two or three ideas and it's basically like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot of times I do that in a way so that like whenever I'm talking to that guy later, it's like, man, this is the idea that that really impacted me. And, mm-hmm. and I you know appreciate that. And it, it gives me a way to be able to interact with them about about that is just just and I mean, I'm listening to the whole lesson, obviously, but yeah. it's just really the you know, the two or three things that really j- jumped out and grabbed me from the lesson. Mm hmm. Well, and, and taking that mindset is going to help accommodate a student mentality mm-hmm. as opposed to a and a teacher mentality is not really what I'm getting at. It's it's a know-it-all mentality. Yeah. I've got this figured out. I know more about the topic than you do. I have more wisdom than you do. I have more knowledge yeah. than you do. So you're not going to teach me anything. I'm really just checking to make sure you don't say something that's wrong. Yeah. As opposed to what... I have watched older guys do, and you said this in a different way. You presented this differently than I've ever thought about. What do you think about it in light of this other concept or this other passage? Um, Or have you considered this idea to go along with that? Or it made me think about this idea that ties to that, going back to the cross-referencing thing, that the hyperlink document that the Bible is, because it's God's plan of salvation beginning to end. And it, it... helps give us a barometer where's our pride at and it helps change that mindset to i have more to learn and whoever's teaching has perspective that's valid for me to think about the things they're presenting and doing that will also help us back away from any agenda that is not the agenda of being pleasing to god and doing the best i can to look like his son Exactly. Yep. So if you had to put a number to it, what percentage, ideally, a good a good biblical discussion, what percentage of it is actually speaking and the other percentage actually listening? And what I mean by that is not how much mental energy are you committing to both, is of, of what importance are both of them? Is it more important to listen to produce a good biblical conversation that's fruitful for everybody involved, including the speaker, or is it a little bit more important on the speaking side? Understanding that there's been some preparation done. It's not just speaking randomness and, and fruitless talk. Are you talking about theoretically what should happen yeah. or what we actually do? Well, let's do both. Let's do both. Talk about what okay. we what we do and then and, well, theoretically. And how many people are included in this group? Uh, let's just say it's everybody that you can think of <laughs> okay, that right. we interact with on a daily basis. Uh, I get Brian's question because I had the same thought. If it's mm-hmm. three people, you know, 30, 30, 30. Mm-hmm. On, but it depends on the setting, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. And not that 
the younger don't have value to add to the conversation to the elder. And and sometimes the conversation even is going to be backweighted when a younger person is talking to an older person because they're trying to get perspective and thought process and things they're seeing with people they're interacting with at their age group. But for me, most of the time, and I mean, you guys know if I'm in a group of my peers, because I've got so much floating around in my head, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking because speaking is how we get those thoughts in order. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and I want to test my thought processes. I want to put them out there and, give somebody else a chance to interact with them and show me the flaws and show me the errors. And um, it's going to be similar depending on the setting. If I'm talking to a group of elders or elders, wives or, or older people um, evangelists that have been at, at the game and in the word for a long time where I have an opportunity to present to them my thought processes for testing. Um, but if I can get them to talk and let them roll, then, I mean, it just, it's, it's so nuanced that I I don't know if I could put numbers on any of it. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely the type to, I would rather listen. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I like to speak every once in a while, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely on the, on the lighter side of that. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the one thing I've always told my students It's such a weird thing that I decided to become, be in this profession of being a teacher because <laughs> I really would prefer to be the one to be quiet most of the time. But anyways, it's worked out, I guess. But yeah. So are you, after all this is done, are you going to go in and see how long each person talked and then somehow annotate that? So we oh, can yeah. see the percentage. Yeah, I'm going to send out the percentages at the end. Then, okay. then I'm going to splice my voice at the end and, and declare the winner of the most, <laughs> the most talking award. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, obviously I think, I think everybody realizes that, that we, we need to be listening. Yeah. And uh, there needs to be a good percentage of that, that, that you need to be listening. And I know really good listeners that I really appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad when I see them in a group that's, that's discussing biblical truth. When we have, you know, if it's a church potluck fellowship, we had a men's leadership conference, you know, a couple months back. Mm-hmm. And when there's guys in the group, that are natural listeners like yourself. Um, he's going to be on another episode in the future that's already been recorded before the date of this particular episode. But Kane Marshall, really good listener, really appreciate his ability to listen and not really just speak out a bunch. But when he does speak out, it's very valuable. And and I appreciate the dynamic that that creates in a group because really, if it's all talkers, then <laughs> it's almost like in a way, it's almost like a bunch of alpha males on the field together and, and just, you know, head start budding. And I'm not saying you can't have good biblical conversation when there are no natural listeners in the group. But I just think the dynamic is so much more enriching when there is a healthy blend of both. So if I had to put a percentage to it, ideally, I know it sounds cliche, but 50 50. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the, the even balance um, and then give and take on both sides, depending on the setting. It's very interesting when my father-in-law's kids all get together, which he had four children and I have, you know, one of his kids has six and then four, four and three. So just the number of children in the house makes the noise level go up. Yeah. And then there are a lot of talkers Mm -hmm. in my father-in-law's family. Yep. And... It's it, it, it's a lot of conversations all going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
all over the house. Um, there's, there's just not a moment of quiet. And I've got a brother-in-law that is, um, I don't know how he would describe it. I would describe it as high strung. And I think knowing him well enough, he would appreciate me saying that. <laughs> um, but the noise level can get to him. And, and I'll say as an introvertish type person, person, it can get to me too. But when we're going to have meaningful conversation, even the kids will be quiet. Mm. And there is a balance of talking and listening that the head of the house, my father-in-law facilitates and he'll present an idea, but then he's asking questions and respecting their perspective of his children and in-laws in these ideas and these thought processes. He's always got something in mind, but he wants to get other people's thoughts and then work through that process where it's a lot of give and take. And even in a setting that large with that many people and, and various backgrounds and upbringings, there's, there's a lot of listening and talking back and forth, give and take. And it's well, and and your father-in-law is somebody along with other people, but your father-in-law, especially whenever I was a teenager helped me a lot Um, because he, he would do that. And and that's another answer to a question you asked earlier is, um, well, I forgot the question, but I know the answer to it, but um, how, how do you, how do you get people you know, involved in, in conversations and it's people who are, who are older, who have more knowledge. It's them not being a spiritual glutton, but going out and, and approaching teenagers. Don't, don't, don't expect them to initiate the, the, you know, the conversation or the contact you go out knowing where you've been and, and how people have helped you and go and find them. And, and, um, Hugh J definitely did that for me as a teenager. And, um, whenever I wouldn't necessarily been speaking about spiritual things, he came with, would ask me questions and we would talk about stuff and just really, really helped to, to pr- help me in my progression as a Christian. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because that makes me think of something that Andrew actually approached me here recently. Um, it, it was, it was at the men's business meeting, January 1st, and I had approached him saying, Hey, I'm going to try and get better about using you to do scripture readings at the beginning of the Wednesday night assembly before somebody gets up there to speak. And he said, okay, I'd love to do that. And I just, and he made a comment saying, you know, I just, I feel, I feel so awkward up there, you know, and I'm, I wanted to be like, dude, teenager, just, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's the way it is. But he said he felt awkward. I just, I feel like I need some help learning how to speak and how to, how to talk about that kind of stuff. And I said, I'd be happy to help you with that. And I really meant that. Mm-hmm. And just, couple uh, a week ago or so um last time we were up there for for a fellowship um he actually mentioned to me hey i talked to talked to my dad um brian's brother charles um about this and i'd I'd like for you to help me i'd like to come over and for you to walk me through those things and that that showed me something you know andrew may be a very specific individual when it comes to that he's pretty focused Mm -hmm. and for the most part but i don't think he's unlike a lot of teenage boys in this regard they want that. Yep. They they want those opportunities. So if you give them an inch, if you give them an opportunity, <laughs> you better be prepared to yep. back it up yep. and, and say, okay, I, I will take you under my wing and we'll go. So now I'm, I'm already thinking, okay, got to dust off some old teacher training stuff that I used to do <laughs> and, and figure out. But, but really it's, it's not as complicated as we might think. It's just putting them up in the pulpit and saying, okay, start reading, you know, work on your inflection, um, you know, teaching them how to have those kinds of conversations and, and you know, that's, that's one thing I'm learning a lot now as, as a father, as a new father 
and just how difficult it is in today's day and age to have a meaningful conversation and what that's going to mean for our children growing up, especially for kids my age. John Mark, you know, he's he's coming up on 20 months. So by the time he's in high school, I don't know how much it's going to degrade by then. But right now, I already know with TikTok, um, Facebook, all these other different social media platforms, the attention span is driven down so low. The the content that's being peddled into their face is so superficial. The level of friendships through those things can be so superficial. And as a result, it seems to me like the conversations bear out that fruit. So I don't know if the solution is to just pull them completely away from those things or, you know, just try to really limit the access to them. But that's something I've thought about a lot lately. And that's a little bit off topic rabbit trail, but it's just something that's been ever present in my mind because I don't want my son to grow up to be a superficial person. I want him to desire and have the opportunity to have those meaningful conversations and drive them. That goes back to something, and, and I meant to talk about it earlier with one of our earlier questions or, or comments, but creating that culture of talking about God's word and, and you know teaching young men to be in the pulpit, teaching our children to be evangelistic in their mindset, um, you know, it, teaching young men to teach from the pulpit, you work on the basic things of, of public address, um, getting up and reading, being used to being in front of people and learning to work on your reading to keep people engaged. But outside of that, it's filling your life up with God's Word. It's giving the testimony of your life, interacting with God's Word, and vice versa. And that perspective has value. That perspective can teach the elder. Um, but this idea that it's difficult to do that because everything in our society, not everything. So much in our society is so superficial and it's quick, it's easy, it's painless that we've lost the deeper meanings and the the greater truths and have a difficulty overcoming those things. You know, we have a difficulty not talking about politics, not talking about COVID, not discussing the the social justice stuff in our world because it's in our face constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's never been a time when you could have local news 24-7, and now we have global news 24-7, and you're expected to know, you're expected to be on top of it all the time. It is constantly screaming for your attention, and I can't think of which proverb it is, but one proverb compares wisdom and folly, and they're both women, they're both calling for your attention. It's about where you decide to put your focus and Mm -hmm. allowing our young people to interact with the technology in a way that it's controlled, that they see us valuing person to person interaction, valuing being evangelistic in our outreach and, and dedicating our lives to service to God, number one, but helping them learn those same things by putting them in God's word, talking to them about God's word when they lie down, when they rise up, when they're in the way. Just building that foundation of, you know, this world wants your attention, but God deserves your attention mm-hmm. and he's what's real. And this other stuff, it's easy. It's superficial. It is vain. It is filling your life full of sugar and you will spiritually decay. Yeah. And it is not real. 
basically. It's it's a facade. It's it's a sham. It's you know you talk about the proverb you couldn't remember the proverb that I made up in my mind, um, as opposed to anywhere else I would make it up. Um, <laughs> you, you know, there's things that you say like uh, I, there's this, things you say, Jackson. There, <laughs> No, we all do. <laughs> but that that te- teaches you about economy of words. I was spending time with uh, David Minson and people listening to the podcast and the circles we run in will know that name. But I, I mentioned something in in a pul- in the pulpit once in a lesson, and I said, you know, um, as we walk in this life, and he said, as opposed to swimming in this life, <laughs> and I just thought, man, I cannot, I cannot say anything without. <laughs> Where's the landmines? Where are they? But um, the proverb that I had made up was a man who is everywhere is nowhere. If if your attention is everywhere, if if your attention is what's going on in North Korea, China, Russia, South America, I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to have a genuine desire to help in those situations. But most of us are never going to be able to contribute to stuff like that. For the, for the most part, we might be able to, you know, round up our, our spending at United and Walmart and send money to those things, maybe. I don't know. But if our attention is everywhere, then our attention is nowhere, really. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way it is with, with those kids. Their attention is everywhere, and therefore it's nowhere meaningful, mm-hmm. really, at the end of the day. Um, Jared, you mentioned something that I had been reading recently, and I'm wondering if it's from the same author, but Jordan Peterson in um, – 12 More Rules for Life, um, Beyond Order, I think is the name of the book. And he talks about the necessity of speaking to think. We speak, we think by speaking, basically. And he says, there's no other way for you to really know what you think unless you speak it. And everybody's noticing the theme of, of philosophy and and uh, psychology in this episode. But it drives a lot of our conversations because we're, we're taking in a lot of that stuff. And I think it's it's necessary to talk about it because that drives at what we're trying to get at with the importance of biblical conversation. If you're not speaking about it, then how can you truly solidify it in your thoughts? And if you can't solidify that it's what you're thinking about, then how can you portray it with great enthusiasm? How can it be something that you can speak to the stranger that needs the gospel um, you know, not just talking about it in a monotone voice like this where Jesus loves you and you need to be saved, but with great enthusiasms because you've spoken it and you've internalized it. And, and I think that ties back to what you're talking about with, with kids and, and with teenagers, teaching them to speak about it in a way that, that develops that deeper conviction mm-hmm. about it. Um, at, at what point – oh, go ahead. You were about to say something. I, I was just going to say – so. So Peterson said that, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with him, but I am, because me and my <laughs> wife, we kind of have this deal where she she speaks to think, and I tell her I think to think. I, I do. <laughs> I like to like roll things over in my mind, and uh-huh. that's that's where I feel mm-hmm. like I, I get my stuff. But mm-hmm. um, so, anyways, yeah. No, everybody's different. I mean, I yeah. think they're people who are more than capable of being in their own their own brain and cultivating those thoughts and being very comfortable with those thoughts, having not spoken about them very much. And I think that has to do with either being fairly introverted or just the way that your brain chemistry works. Uh, I just know with me um, tying back to the question I'd asked, can we truly say we believe in these things unless we're actually talking about them and doing them? That's where my mind 
will begin to fracture if yeah. I don't yeah. speak about them. And and part of what Peterson was talking about, and and he talks about this in his personal life, is which he does a lot of lecturing, but he will sit down. I think it's it's either one or two hours per night and write. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do a lot of internal dialogue, a lot of working stuff over in my head. And I feel like you do in a lot of aspects, but I have learned that as I sit down and really start, which I, I type fairly well, throwing those thoughts on paper in a Word document and put it all down there and, and I'll just take off and start typing. And then I'll go back and consider what I've typed and work through that process a little more. And it gives me it gives me a check back, but it also allows me to test those own thoughts or my own thoughts to put some questions to myself. And from that, I've, I've learned a lot and worked through a lot of process. And a lot of people that I've talked to say that people write books to prove their point. And there are people that do that. But there are people who are seeking truth that will sit down and start writing. For instance, I've got a document that I'm, I don't know, about 30 pages in at this point. Um, I sat down to understand my own thoughts. I sat down to put what I understood or some people's perspectives down so I could test them. And it has just grown. And from that, I've, I've done four or five separate studies of topics that I felt like I understood, but really put myself to the challenge on what about this perspective? What about that perspective? And it, I mean, it's, it's challenging and it really works you through that process of what you believe. So are, are you saying in this context that writing is the same thing as speaking? In, in a lot of ways. And, and Peterson acknowledges that. And in fact, he holds in a lot of times that writing is more focused than speaking. And so mm-hmm. you definitely don't want to write something that you know to be not true. Um, and that's his deal um, that harkens back to his first 12 rules of tell the truth or at least don't lie. Um, and that goes to, you know, our finite understanding. So what do you really know? You just don't intentionally going out, go out living things that you know aren't true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his thought process on that is getting that out, putting it out there. Um, writing is, is similar to speaking yeah. and, and then it helps us order our thoughts. Yeah. Or is it, is it too weird if you're driving down the road by yourself to like audibly speak to yourself? No, okay. no, because because <laughs> I do be, that all the time. Yeah, because yeah. in in the lesson I preached not too long ago on wisdom, uh, Proverbs one, I believe, um, where it says something about contemplating and meditating. Those Hebrew words, one of those words is actually translated to utter, to speak. And in and in the context there, it it says to oneself. So, hmm. no, if you talk to yourself, you're actually probably <laughs> higher up there in terms of intelligence and understanding. I would say. But so, my reference was Proverbs nine while ago. I just I had to look; it was going to drive me crazy. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> um, and just so everybody knows, we're not necessarily plugging Jordan Peterson. We've talked about no. him quite a bit. I mean, there's stuff about him that I disagree on, and. Uh, Mr. Peterson, if you're listening and would like to come on the show, we'd love to have you. <laughs> oh, what a conversation! That oh would my be. goodness! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ever think of? Do you ever think about what it would be like to actually like some of the people that you've read or listened to? What it would actually be like to sit across from them 
and thinking there's either one of one of two things is going to happen. I'm going to be so wowed by the intelligence here that I'm not going to know what to do with myself and I'm just going to sound like a, a blabbering fool and, and either fanboy out. Or, That's or, me. Yeah. Or two, I'm going to be really disappointed and find out you're not that much more intelligent than <laughs> most people that I know and you've just been given a platform to talk about stuff a bunch. And, you know, that's the danger, too, in listening to a lot of these people. Um, and you think about the conversations that we have back and forth. If we were given the kind of platform that a lot of these people have worldwide, nationwide, I'm not saying those people don't have great thoughts. But, you know, if you have if you've contemplated the stuff long enough and you put yourself out there on the airwaves or on YouTube or on podcasts, you could very well find yourself in that group of people that has a thought that's nationally respected or worldwide respected if it's uncommon enough. Because truth be told, Jordan Peterson, yes, he's a clinical psychologist. Yes, he's very smart. He's got a PhD. But the thoughts that made him, quote unquote, famous were not profound and deep. They were really simple thoughts. And that's what makes up most of his first, well, not first, but his second most noteworthy book, 12 Rules for Life, Maps of Meaning was his first, but that's what makes up most of it. And and it was a, a simple idea that takes its roots from biblical concepts. Yeah. Um, and, and really focused around, don't tell me about your rights, accept your responsibilities, mm-hmm. shoulder a load. Clean your room. Clean your room. Um, and, you know, this idea of... Bible out. As I read more and more and got more and more into C.S. Lewis's writings, I came to appreciate his approach to things and that he took the time to write, which he, he wanted to be a writer. So that wasn't near a thing for him like it would be for me or it has been for me. But I felt like, especially the way he wrote, I knew him better and better every day. Um, and and it did drive a desire for me to have, you know, I wish I'd had the opportunity to sit down and ask him a handful of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took that perspective and turned it towards God's word to, if, if you believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, God breathed, you look at Psalm 119 and his statutes are revelations of himself. The laws are revelations of himself. It's not some arbitrary set of rules and guidelines because it's what mankind needs to to be his best self, although it is, but it's because of who God is. Mm-hmm. And that is given to us. And it, it changed my perspective to, if I can read C.S. Lewis's writings as a mortal man that was not inspired and, and not right on everything and feel like I know him, then I should be able to read God's word and see God in it mm-hmm. and know who God is better every day. And that would be, you know, on getting to meet Tolkien or um, C.S. Lewis or, or whomever, but getting to sit down with Jesus and ask him questions or learn from him. And, and you know, the thought process is, yes, that, that would be amazing, but we have it. Mm-hmm. it it's right here. Mm-hmm. And... You know, you guys know my thought process. It's it's in my mind nothing short of miraculous that we have the books that we that we do, mm-hmm. and it it is a demonstration that God's behind it yep. that we have this book, this yep. collection of books. It is easy to prove just how miraculous it is that we have it. 
It's beyond a shadow of a doubt, in my opinion. And if if you want to contest its miraculous nature, then there's either an agenda behind that or there's just a lack of ability to see the, the truth. I mean, or you haven't read it with the right with the right intention. Right. And and we could go off onto a lot of apologetics with that. Just <laughs> just looking at the cohesiveness of, of all the authors, the common theme. I mean, just in the Galatians study that we did today, seeing how Paul ties things to Abraham and 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 the symbolism of, of, of all these things, the allegory that he even mentions, how can that be possible unless it's divinely inspired? We, we flippantly say that it's inspired because all the authors agree with each other. And you can say that and say, yes, I believe that. But when you actually read things in certain books that show you that, that common thread that stretches over thousands of years, it's, it's a different ball game when, when you do it that way. And, it's fun to have those kinds of conversations yes. come in full circle. It's it's fun to talk about that kind of stuff because it deepens your faith. It, it enriches the relationships that you have with other people and it it grounds you. Mm -hmm. it, it puts you in a better position to drawing back to stuff that Peterson talks about, but it puts you in a position where you can, quote unquote, change the world like you want to one soul at a time, one one home at a time, one town at a time, whatever. When when you ground yourself in those kinds of concepts, you 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 gear yourself up to be the type of person that can go out and turn the world upside down like they did in the first century. Now, granted, our culture is a little bit different to where Christianity is much more familiar now than it was then, and we can have a conversation where the same kind of revolution may not be necessarily a hundred percent possible, but still it's it's indisputable just how valuable it is to you to ground yourself in that. So I think from time to time, and this has happened to me a lot, we can become somewhat disgusted with ourselves when we talk too much and we end up not walking the walk. We we find ourselves in a lot of these biblical conversations and we talk. We we talk about how much we've studied. We talk about these philosophical concepts, what's going to be like in heaven, and all these things that are fun to talk about, but then we go home and we've either got an addiction to a substance or to a particular thing that we just don't talk about, you know, and it's and it's shameful, or we have an anger problem, we don't get out and study with people, we miss assemblies of, of the church, we do things that are contrary to the will of God, and then we start to notice, because we're not stupid, we notice that we're defying what we're talking about. And I wonder if deep down we get a little bit disgusted with ourselves and we start to shy away from those kinds of conversations because we've noticed we can't back it up with actions. That's happened to me before. Y'all may be geared differently to where you're in a position of life where you've settled into a flow that that doesn't happen as often. But looking at myself as an example of others that might be in that position, I wonder if that's not as I wonder if that's very common. If people are really upset with themselves and somewhat disgusted with themselves to that point where they decide, I'm just not going to have those conversations because I obviously can't back it up with actions. So mm -hmm. forget it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the when, when somebody has the attitude, they're like, well, I'm not going to take the Lord's Supper because, you know, what I did this last week. It's like, no, <laughs> you, you're totally misunderstanding mm -hmm. what this is about. Yeah, I mean, if you're truly whatever. This is about your redemption, and that's what the Bible is about, and that's what, what this is all about, is that we're, we are imperfect, 
and that that we do fail and god help us that we we stop making those mistakes but we make them it should cause us to go to run to this and want to speak about it but no i i totally understand what you're saying about that i i describe it as sometimes i feel like i get into what i describe as a spiritual drought sometimes in my life mm-hmm. it's just like there's so much stuff going on and i just i haven't dedicated my mind and my thinking to what to what it should be and i just feel like sometimes it's just so much that i just i get out of where i need to be and it just it's just kind of just kind of feeds on itself and yeah if you do get to that point where you're thinking oh man i've not been doing good or whatever and you stop talking it's just man you're flushing yourself down a toilet <laughs> and you need yeah. to avoid avoid that situation yeah and there's the realness of interacting with god's word and it crying out for change um Change is difficult, especially if there's something we struggle with and and making the conscious effort to make the change necessary to stop the bad, start the good. And when we are putting ourselves in a position where we're interacting with God's word under the view of other people, then it it does get difficult. But I, I go back to what Brian said. That's when we need it. That's, you know, the the whole have no need of a physician. and. If you don't have these conversations, then you don't develop the kind of relationships that we're meant to have in the church, and you flounder, and you struggle, and you get waterlogged by the problems of the world, and you don't have a family you can lean on. Um, Something we've talked about, and, and even talked about this morning, is this idea of having a place where we can be real, is how I'll say it. Um, ask some very real questions in a way that maybe wouldn't be advisable to do so publicly. Um, it wouldn't demonstrate a heart of discretion, but questions that need to be answered nonetheless. Um, and and the, just take that on down the line, extrapolate that thought process where there's things that don't need to be talked about publicly, but need to be talked about. Mm-hmm. And if we've cultivated those relationships around the idea of God's word and and know people who are rooted and grounded in faith, then we know where to go with that stuff. And so, you know, just encourage anybody that feels that struggle to keep having those conversations and work it up to the ability to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that gets to what you've talked about earlier today. Also, Jared, is that reality is eternity. Reality is eternity. I mean, where because we're going to spend a hundred years here, maybe if we're lucky, may, maybe longer than that by the time we get up closer to there. But whatever, if we're here 150, I don't, whatever. That that pales in comparison to a trillion years or a trillion trillion years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Reality is eternity, and if we get if we get bogged down in our hundred year existence here and allow ourselves to fall off into some pit, we're 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 focusing on the temporal that's not going to last forever. And we just need to, and I know when you start getting into that, it's, it's like, it's, that's what Satan wants. He wants your mind going mm-hmm. downhill and, and he makes it to where you don't want to reach out, but, but God wants to, he's always there. He's always there. He's always reaching out to you regardless of anything you've done. He's always reaching out. He always calls all of us back regardless of what we've done. And just to, to reach out to, to reality, reach out to God and to, to eternity with him. Yep. All of those things have trade-off, and if we're not willing to suffer the pains of shame right now, then we're the trade-off is suffering for eternity. I know which one I would rather have. You know, <clears throat> I think it's very easy with conversations, and when we find ourselves not having them because of that particular struggle, 
when it comes to not doing the right thing, not being Christian enough, if I can use that phrase. You know, the simple solution to me is just to be more Christian. That's that's the that's the very blanket fortune. Just stop it. Yeah, just stop doing it. The Bob Newhart um, five dollar <laughs> five dollar psychology advice. Just stop it. it. And you know, unfortunately, that's that's about the best piece of advice that I could give somebody in that particular position is to just start doing the things that you sh- that you know to do to get yourself out of that rut. And that's a very pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality to a, to a degree. But but if you couple it with the God's faithfulness and, and being prayerful, then it's not as much of a pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of mentality. It's it's acknowledging that you need God's help to get out of that rut. Recognize that you're in that rut and get off the crazy cycle. Do the things that are necessary as a Christian to get back to having the conversations, to get back to doing the things necessary as a Christian, so on and so forth. That's like a lesson I gave recently on the third Psalm and, you know, mm-hmm. the superscription of that was David as he fled from his son Absalom. And one point I made in that lesson is the, the worst problem you could bring upon yourself is not turning to God. The, the worst problem in David's life was not that his son Absalom was after him. That was a terrible situation. But what David did in that situation is he turned to God. And mm-hmm. so he didn't use the one problem of running from his son, the crazy stuff that happened there to make him make the other worst decision of turning from God, he turned to God for help. Mm -hmm. That's the worst thing you can do for yourself is not turn to God. It doesn't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter what level of problems you have in this life. If you don't turn to God, that's the worst problem you can have. Mm -hmm. And and it's, it's actually in my mind, the opposite of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, because what you're doing is letting go of yourself. Jesus said, if, Anyone comes to me, he must deny himself. And that literally means to disown yourself, mm-hmm. to let go. Um, and then that's hard for us to do because it's been men throughout ages have been strong. They're the warriors, that warrior mentality. And you've got to go out and get life by the horns and, and subdue it. And that has translated over to how we handle our Christianity. But that's the worst thing we can try to do. Second Peter 1 says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, like we talked this morning, even if... You're able to stop this one problem, whatever that is, by whatever form of discipline the world can come up with. You're still going to have more, and you're going to have more. It's not until you become partaker of the divine nature through the exceedingly great and precious promises of Christ and the faithfulness of God that you learn to let go of those things to make the value proposition where you understand and the balance is now and eternity Eternity far outweighs that, and we just struggle because everything we know and understand is through this flesh, and we want to take care of this flesh and not endure those hardships and those difficulties, but what's at stake is the divine nature, eternity with God, being with Him or utterly apart from Him forever. But all of this creation is groaning for the time when He will redeem it. And, and that, that that's one thing I love in the example that I see of 
of older people, you know, as they get close, you know, as they get, get up there in age and as they've seen their body fail in certain ways and just gone through so many trials in life and stuff and just, you can just see it more and more, become more and more real in their eyes and in the way they deal with stuff of how, how real heaven starts becoming to them and how they just, they just love and long for it. So Brian posed this question about small minds discuss people and uh, average minds discuss events and great minds discuss ideas. And he specifically said in the text to me that that may be a bit harsh, but it seems to speak to a good point. I, I think it does, because especially when you turn that in on yourself and think about how often you talk about people and how often you talk about events versus actually talking about ideas you know, very often I've been very small minded because it's easy to talk about people because people are, are who we interact with all the time. It's easy to talk about how so-and-so isn't good about this or they do this particular thing wrong or whatever. Um, I don't know. It doesn't sound as it doesn't sound very harsh to me. It sounds very true. And mm -hmm. as long as you recognize that it's something that you could fall victim to and you recognize how it comes between you and talking about what's meaningful in terms of, of, of the spiritual and the biblical, then I think it's okay to think that yeah. for sure. I think it can be harsh because it's true. <laughs> I read that and I'm like, yeah, ouch. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot, Brian. Yeah. Well, that's definitely not my quote. I, I've just seen that somewhere, but yeah. um, I mean, that, that's that definitely it's, you know, you can get, gossiping and, and all that kind of stuff that the i mean the bible specifically forbids and yeah you know, whatever it's it's best not to do it anyways whatever but and it's not it's not like saying that you're a better person or, or whatever it's just when you focus when you focus on this then you're going to be in a better place when you focus on thinking about ideas because it, it's like what we've already talked about sometimes we get so focused on on you know the details of getting through the day and taking care of this thing and all that we just focus on you know specific things here but when when you focus on ideas and and think about the the big ideas of what the scriptures teach and not just thinking about them but obviously as we're talking about here speaking about them and and that being that being the culture of 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 your you know your blood family you know within my house that that's mm -hmm. our culture is we talk about biblical things yes of course we talk about talking about going to the football game whatever all that kind of stuff but that it's not something that's like like if I were to say something about God, I'd be like, "What? Yeah, you never talk about God. What? Why does something happen that you may Ooh. kind of start talking about that or something?" But if if that doesn't hurt, if, if that ever happened, like if 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 that was the reaction from your kids, that it was strange that you started talking about God, that that should be a wake up call. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you talk about talking about people, and I think sometimes what I've fallen into the trap of doing is thinking that if I'm talking about a political leader who's doing something wrong, in my opinion, that for some reason that's not the same as me talking about a person. And that doesn't make me small-minded. <laughs> Just because it's a big person that's in a way personified as an idea or as an archetype. You know, if I'm talking about how much I don't like ex-president or Y senator, they're not really a person to me when I'm talking about them in that way. They're, they're more of a, of a type. But truly, deep down, they're a person. And I'm being small-minded talking about them in that way. Now, I'm not saying you can't ever bring up in conversation that kind of stuff if you're doing it in a 
in a manner that's respectful, that you're not disrespecting authority. I mean, I'm not saying you can't question certain decisions, but if you do it in the way that all you're looking to do is just bad mouth what people have done wrong, you're not really discussing the ideas. You're not discussing the, the, the meat of the matter. All you're doing is wasting time just talking bad about somebody. You might as well just be talking about how your neighbor won't pay for their half of the fence that got put up two years ago. Still angry about that, by the way. <laughs> but I've moved far away, and yeah. I don't have to deal with that anymore. Uh-huh. You physically moved far away, physically, in your mind. Physically and, and spiritually, oh, okay. I have All moved right. far away. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and to that idea, I mean, there's stuff... We're not forbidden from enjoying things in this life. And, and that's a concept we have all individually talked about, more putting it out there for the listeners to, to show we, we understand that and appreciate that. So there's going to be those run-of-the-mill everyday conversations. But being intentional about that thought process, how – I mean, it, I don't remember if it's First or Second Peter, but offering to God the fruit of our lips, every word that – we speak has a weight of judgment behind it. And if we're being small-minded and talking about other people, we're not doing anything that is God-honoring. Mm-hmm. Um, my process, thought process right now is there needs to be some contrast that we demonstrate between the kingdom of God and the kingship of God and what is going on in our society. Everybody sees the corruption that is in political arenas, spiritual wickedness in high places. Everybody in our society sees that. It doesn't matter which way you've ever voted, what color you support. You see the wickedness that's in these arenas. Now, we want to fix it on this earth and and try and create this utopia that can't be created here. But as Christians, we serve the King of Kings. Our kingdom is a kingdom that will not be destroyed and will not ever be corrupted. Amen. There is nothing that can come against our kingdom and stand against it to prevail against it. And we have the opportunity while we pray for the people in those offices and desire to see them saved to show how those offices are only ever temporary anyway. And it doesn't really matter what decisions those people make because we still serve the King of Kings. And that was another topic we talked about today, how it doesn't matter what goes on in this world, that everything about being a Christian is better because God is God. Mm -hmm. And if you're the king in the palace or the pauper on the hill, God is in control. And if you put your trust in him, it doesn't matter what comes in this life because you are immortal. You've accepted the mortality of this life and latched on to the immortality of your soul and being reconciled back to God. Just so you know, if you're talking out there to, uh, what, what is it specifically that C.S. Lewis says? I'm going to let you quote it since you've been there more often about you have never spoken to a normal person. Is he drawing specifically on Christians there? Is he talking about just anybody with any, any just the soul, the people, just any person who all have souls? Or is he specifically talking about Christians? Yeah, that's it's everybody. We're all immortal, and yeah. we're we're perpetually moving towards yeah. eternity. Yeah, I was I was going to say to those to those listening, you know, if you if you're talking to people, just remember you're talking to immortals. But I wanted to make sure I made the distinction. Yeah, um, and, and I should have I should have already understood that, but second guessing myself. <laughs> but you know, we we live in such a a temporal realm. I'll bother, I'll borrow that and use it differently than what it was 
meant to convey, but we, we live in such a, a existence that's so temporal around us. We always have to buy something new to fix, to, to fix something that has broken or to replace something that's broken. Um, replacing furniture, electronics, homes, people passing away around us. There's such a temporal aura around us that I think we forget the eternal nature of everything that's around us yeah. all the time. Well, you know, if you if you talk about, you know, a PS5 or if you talk about the basketball game or whatever, mm-hmm. that that's something that whatever for, from the world's perspective, that's something that would be interesting or something. Mm-hmm. But whenever you start talking about like lofty ideas, like what the Bible teaches, mm-hmm. it's like, oh man, really? You're going yeah. to go there? We're going to be yeah. boring, you know? But that's that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. He yeah. wants to get focused on... And there's these. no shortage of, of content out there about that kind of stuff. There's there's podcasts and there's YouTube channels about all the, the next greatest things that are coming out, technology sports news that there's no shortage of people that want to listen to that be talked about but it's it's not lost on us that this particular podcast and podcasts like it are probably not going to be in the top 10 downloads per month and that's right that's fine i get it but i'd rather be putting this out there than because believe me i'd love to talk about ps5s i'd love to talk about <laughs> xboxes yeah enjoy that stuff i but- bet right now you could find 30 videos Ten of which have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of views about um, the multiverse of madness mm-hmm. that hasn't even come out yet, has it? Yeah, no, no, it, it hasn't come out. But I'm, but I'm just putting multiverse of madness, and for those for those of you who are living under a rock, that's the new Doctor Strange movie that's coming out in a couple of months, or maybe towards the end of this year. But yeah, just scrolling through. Live examples here. The first one, 392,000. Uploaded 13 hours ago. Wow. So just do the math, there you Mr. Go. Teacher over there. <laughs> Second one, 316,000 views three hours ago. And then the next one's 28,000 views one day ago. If this podcast got 28,000 um, listens or downloads in a year, I would be ecstatic. That would be so much more than what I would ever expect out of it. And I'm not trying to have low expectations, but I just, I understand the reality of what people are interested in. I understand the reality of what I'm interested in Mm -hmm. because I take in, I'm the one, we're the ones talking about the biblical concepts here. But truth be told, we probably listen to non-biblical stuff much more often. We contribute to that view count. Uh, Yes. uh, That's why I brought that example up because I had just watched a video about the multiverse of madness. I'm above that. Y'all need to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Then the next one was 2.9 million views from three weeks ago. So, wow. There you go. (laughs) And and it's it's just that stuff that there's, you know, on top of the things we have to do. If you own a home, you have to keep it up. If you own a car, you have to keep it up. You have to eat to sustain life. You have to work to provide life for yourself. And if you have a family for your family, there's all that stuff that's just physical maintenance on a daily basis that demands our attention. And that we have an expectation. Whatever your hands finds to do, do it as under the Lord. But then there's all this other stuff because we're doing this physical stuff anyway. We need to have some release for the physical and so we watch stupid videos about stupid movies that haven't even come out yet. Mm-hmm. Theorizing what's going to happen, who's going to be the villain and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sorry if you have kids watching or listening. 
it's it's very stupid. I mean, it's it's just it's fruitless. And I just remember how how crazy excited I got about the the new Spider Man movie. You know, and and that's there's some nostalgia bait in that for sure. Um, that that plays into that, but it's all temporal. I mean, it, it goes back to what we're talking. We're beating a dead horse, but it's it's just so true. And and again, it's okay to enjoy if it's in its place. Yeah. But it becomes so much, so many people's gods. Yes, even even my own, from time to time. Um, yeah. If I'm if I'm just being honest, oh, yeah. it, it it can become your god so fast. Music, television, hobbies, even down to to cooking shows. I mean, really, the stuff that's just can seem so innocent can become your god, and and that really drives your conversation. And and if we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, I want to get where the Apostle Paul was when he wrote to Corinth that I'm gladly will spend mm-hmm. and be spent for you. But I want to have that lofty goal. I want others to think that about me, mm-hmm. but I don't want to put myself in the uncomfortable position of working for it. I just want to, I just want that. That's me. Y'all think of me that way. Yeah. I, w- I want to portray that that's what that's what I've done when deep down I know that I'm sitting on the couch eating Cheetos and you know having a good time and not really making that effort yeah but but you know the truth is the most joyous that you've probably ever been and that you've probably ever been Brian is when you are spent when you have given everything at the end of the day and you have poured out you can sit there and you sleep better Mm mm-hmm Oh, yeah. And and that plays into trying to bring it back to conversations here. When you make the time to have those kinds of conversations, specifically on something that we've been trying to do a lot here lately, I'm letting the listeners into some personal stuff that we've been trying to do here locally. I've had a group of guys that have been getting together. Um, Brian hasn't had an opportunity to be a part of it just yet, but we've tried to open and and broaden the, the inclusion of it. We started small. And we've broadened it a little bit to now everybody's included. And what it is, is it's called a sharpening session. And the idea is that we would get together and we would just have an open format where we could get together and discuss truth and discuss what we had been studying, discuss what we had been passionate about. And the goal was to cultivate an environment of people that wanted to be in each other's homes. And the thing that I, that I love the most about that was that we were able to get together and do that long form, kind of like this podcast is becoming now, and not care. Staying up till two or three in the morning and, I mean, not care might be a bit strong, but we cared the next day. We were pretty tired, but there was nothing about me that regretted that opportunity. And, and even if, you know, Brian is speaking specifically, I'm not trying to oust you or anything, but you've probably had moments like that where you've stayed up late. The, uh, the men's leadership conference, mm-hmm. we stayed up pretty late. One night. Oh, yeah. And I did not regret that the next day because we were talking about things that mattered and I could share in those memories until the day I die. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you said, it's you have a couple of days off or something. Not this way for me. It's like I have a couple of days off and it's just like the second day is like I haven't done nothing. I mean, I'm like, okay, I got to get something done here because it just just doesn't feel right. And it's the mm-hmm. same thing. It's you talked about this earlier at some point about it's like going a while without talking about spiritual things. It's like mm-hmm. man, I I really, I really your bones. need that, and it's just mm-hmm. it's it's 
It's always, always to the better. Mm-hmm. And that's part of creating this culture is, and I think this actually fits well with what you just said, we get that desire within ourselves. We see a need to be a better Christian. Okay, how do I do that? I study more. Well, I need help in this study. I've got a group of peers. Hey, let's talk about this. Hey, I enjoyed that. Let's make it a regular thing where we get together and talk about this. Hey, this is really good for us. Let's broaden this up. And it's really organic at its base, but it's exactly what God wants us to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps us center our, our thoughts and attentions around living that godly life. It gives us a natural path to have some accountability, mm-hmm. which which is difficult. And that's the other side of this is if you're going to start down that path, then then there's going to be some natural accountability built in. And, and you need to not just acknowledge that, but appreciate that that's there because that's going to be how we truly accomplish our goals of being more Christ-like. Mm-hmm. Just watching that expand and having that desire to, okay, Let's get some perspectives that are outside of this age range. Let's get some from some people that have more experience than us. Let's get some from people that have different experience than us and really work on these ideas and learn to interact with God's word in my life and in my heart so that I can be a better Christian. Exactly. And not that I don't appreciate a structured study. I I really do. I love structured studies, but y'all noticed from the the Galatian study that we did this morning, I'm very much more geared towards having a discussion. I would I would much rather study a little bit, create a little bit of an outline, but I'd rather leave it open to the point where a lot of questions can be asked and a lot of um, discussion can be had about those kinds of things. Not because I'm shying away from talking about my ideas, because I'm going to talk about those ideas in the course of conversation, but I love the culture that comes with promoting discussion back and forth because then you get opportunities to learn more in my personal opinion because if you're just listening to somebody talk and you're not having a conversation then your only avenue of inputting information is your ability to listen and retain what they've said you don't get to speak what you've listened to out to be considered in a group and then filtered back to you because there's a there's a (laughs) A phrase that my high school or no, my, my college history professor used to use. Um, he said, you can, you can learn one of three ways. You learn slowly and it sucks, but you retain it. You can learn fast and you love it, but you don't retain it. Or you can learn the third way, which is traumatically. You learn it quick and you will always retain it because it was a traumatic experience. <laughs> so he tries to traumatize us with different forms of learning. He would tell traumatizing stories to go along with historical events In a way, when you're learning in that kind of avenue of conversation, especially with older brethren, there's probably going to be an opportunity for you to get somewhat traumatized because you may say something wrong. And if you get corrected on the spot, it's better to be corrected there than after you preach it in the pulpit or after you give a study to somebody who's never had a Bible study ever before. And then it becomes more internalized that way and more personal to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely open it up like that where where you're not the only one talking. And I mean, that for sure happens in my classroom. If mm-hmm. if just me standing in the classroom talking meant that they were going to learn how to do math. <laughs> yeah. No. Not happening. Not happening. The way they learn is by interacting 
with the information that I've given to them and more than just them saying somehow maybe they, they dealt with that in their mind. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it's them actually practicing with the stuff that I've taught them. And if they don't practice with it, it's – I mean, they're they're retaining not, not a lot of it anyways, mm -hmm. even with practicing. And if they're not doing something with it, it's just not happening. And uh, so when you're, when you're having biblical – conversations it's it's good i mean to within a, a safe structured environment to, to be where there's a discussion and you can you can mm -hmm. throw in mm -hmm. and i you know and my preference is a study format as opposed to preaching format because i get that interaction back and forth i want to interact with ideas and get the best information possible allow them to be tested allow them to be tried and, and then try and internalize that and make it mine and then be able to, you know, work that in my own life, but then to take that and present that to others as well. And, you know, the, the study setting is, I don't say safer, but in, in some ways it is because you have that interaction back and forth. If you have an idea that's off a little bit or maybe that is not fully fleshed out yet, and especially in a study like we had this morning um, or a discussion like we're having right now, you have the opportunity to get those perspectives, to get that idea fleshed out a little better, to get different perspectives. And it's just, it's invaluable. And that, that's one thing as I'm thinking about us doing this is that's probably one thing on, on the listening side of this. When somebody's just listening, I'm sure if anybody's listening all the way through this, I'm sure they have some very definite ideas about the stuff we've been talking about, and they wish they could have had their Chime voice in. included in in this, and that there's a they could have added a, a whole other dimension to all of. Email this. your questions to scriptureinout at gmail dot com. Yeah, that's one thing I've done with the Brother Cousins podcast, yeah. and we do is encourage people to give us your thoughts, give us your questions, um, and and we want content ideas too. But by and large, because there are three of us that do that all the time. We we have content ideas, um, but we really want the questions and the interactions and the and the responses. Um, one of Christopher's brother-in-laws has been real, and, and his sister actually has been really good about sending us. Hey, you know, this is what you talked about, and this is what I thought of when you said that. And yeah, you know, that's that's what I want. Give me your thought process and concerning mm -hmm. what's been talked about, so that I can broaden my understanding. Yeah. Shameless plug, by the way, for uh, his podcast, Brother Cousins Podcast. You can find anywhere that you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, all those places. And I would actually love to have a crossover one day. I think that'd be awesome to have the Brother Cousins on here and do this as well. And even have Jordan on here, too. Actually, from for those listening to the pilot episode right now, probably in several months down the road, we're going to have one where Jordan Dancer from 15 Minutes and a Big Idea podcast is going to come on, and I'm going to have him on with another brother who studied a lot in the book of Galatians, and we're going to have some back and forth on that. So that's going to be really exciting. But this culture of creating friendly environments for conversations or welcoming environments for conversations where that's a, a de facto thing that we just do, I'm trying to think of ways outside of what we've already done to create that kind of a culture because if you think about it it's not it's not odd right now to suggest hey let's have a bible study on saturday where we all get together and talk about this or that but it's one person who has built that study or let's have a bible study every second thursday 
and one person gives the study, that's a that's a normal, socially acceptable thing to do. But to say, hey, all of you guys come out to the barn, come out to the house on this night of the week, and let's just talk about scripture. And then somebody's going to say, okay, what do we talk about? I don't know, just whatever you have in mind. And I get that there's a certain degree of chaos to that, and, and it can be somewhat unfruitful if you perceive it that way. But But to me, it's proven, it's been proven by testing it that that works. We've done that several times. And I'm not saying we're perfect because there has been dead air chicken where people don't talk and eventually somebody chimes in. But it's been proven that if we open up the door for the opportunity for just open conversation, open microphone, people want to talk. It's kind of like a comedy club in a way. Like if you open open mic comedy, somebody just walks up and tells a joke. Maybe it's bad. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but somebody's going to tell a good one and, and everybody's going to laugh. And from a worldly standpoint, everybody at the club had a good time. Take that and apply it here. So in your mind, what are you thinking when you hear about that? What are the obstacles? What else do you do to produce that kind of culture? I think there's some things, and we've actually done it a little bit here um, not in a long time, but where you just send out a text and say, hey, we're going to have breakfast over here at 630. Um, and you're in a public setting, so you're going to be a little more reserved maybe about what you talk about. But just that instance of an impromptu get together. I'm feeling attacked. <laughs> Y'all don't know, but there's a story behind my misuse of that word. We'll get to that later. Um, and And go with the idea in mind that you're going to talk about whatever it is you've been studying and bring that conversation up. And truth be told, if you've got a group of brothers that are getting together to have a cup of coffee, that's usually where it's going to go anyway. Yeah. You know, when we had our first couple of sharpening sessions, I don't remember exactly what went down in the first one, but I know in the second one, I had two specific items that I wanted to talk about. I've just been mulling them over in my head and I needed to get out of my own head and get some other perspective. And so I just took it to the group and said, Hey, you know, here's this. And we talked for hours and, and it, it allowed for that natural flow of contributing ideas and tributaries off of that to work into that conversation where you're seeing the hyperlinked word of God and, and the, the plan of God unfold and getting that opportunity to, to, work through that thought process where you're not having to do it by yourself. There's a problem that I have and you, know, you may have it also, but it's, I don't want to seem like I don't know something that I should know something about. Like there's some things I don't know anything about and that's fine. Like if somebody asked me how soccer was going on in the world, I would have nothing to speak about and that wouldn't bother me. I wouldn't even care if somebody knew that. Okay. I mean, I'm letting the world right now. I don't know anything about soccer. That doesn't bother me, but if somebody asked me a question about the Bible and I didn't know an answer to that, I mean, just speaking honestly about myself, when somebody asks me that and I don't have like a really good solid answer right off, the, that that really bothers me. Yeah. But the thing is, is what I need to realize is it shouldn't. And especially if I get into situations like that where, where I don't and it, it like, it will make you consider those things and, and make you get a good answer for that. And it's, again, if, if, if you're worried about not having the answer and so you avoid getting in situations where you could learn more about it, then yeah, I mean, you're just putting yourself down the path where it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. That, I'm just saying that's that's a problem I have in those yeah. situations. Is like if it's something that I am, am supposed to know something about, if I don't have an answer, it makes – I just don't like that. But 
just got to get over that. Yeah. Well, and and that speaks to something we we've, we've touched on to develop the culture of talking about God's word. You've got to be in God's word, and even with that, because there's a finite number of things that we can focus on. There's a finite number of things that we can know. And especially if you're only studying by yourself or not studying at all, um, you're you're only in your own head. And That's a dangerous place to be. Yes. This is a dangerous place to be in my head. Um, <laughs> I wasn't specifically talking about your, I, I just meant in, in general. Yeah. But when you learn to accept what you don't know, accept that you can't know everything, and learn to really utilize the body, to utilize God's plan for us to have fulfillment and, and maturity in one another, then then we can get to that spot where it's okay. I don't ha- I don't have to have all the answers. No. But I'm you know, and I'm one of those, I've got an answer for almost everything. Um it's not always a good answer, but you give me an open mic and, and I'll take it. Take. Well, it was like this morning. The que- a question was asked. I'm not into the question, but I know I know that I've heard a good answer for, for about that question that was asked this morning. I know I've heard it somewhere, maybe from the pulpit or just in a in a regular discussion. And my memory's pretty good, but on that one, it was it was totally blank. And because I couldn't remember that, it was just like, okay, <laughs> I have no way to respond to this. I mean, <laughs> I mean, nothing that's going to be worth you know them listening to, mm-hmm. and so. But that that's good. Why there, you know, like he's saying, this one there's good yeah. and more than one person is there's. There's going to be somebody there, especially in good godly group and good godly counsel. You're going to have somebody who's going to have some experience or whatever to be able to, mm. to, to help deal with those. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe there are questions that come up in a study. You, you've been studying with somebody and they have hit you with something out of the bleachers in right field that you just <laughs> didn't see coming and it's off the wall. And it may be something where... Nobody in the group really has a solid answer right then, but now you've all got something you can all share together and studying through and coming up with a good response and, and work those ideas um, that's, you know, just, again, it, it's just super beneficial to have that group um, that's based and centered around studying God's Word, living God's Word. You ever been in that position where you're surrounded by very intelligent people? talking about an intelligent topic, scripture, whatever it is, and you offer something up and their instant reaction is this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Back to conversation. <laughs> Whether it, and, and you've noticed that the different reaction that they would get from somebody within that group would be, yeah, I agree with that. That's, that's awesome. That makes me think about this. And that's been the position, just coattailing off of what you said, Brian, that I get into of wanting to solicit that reaction and psyching myself out by thinking what I'm about to say is not going to solicit that reaction. So why should I say it? And that's a very putting my trust and my confidence in myself and, you know, shouldn't do that. But that just comes from being self-centered and not Christ-centered, you know, worrying about where your intelligence is ranked with everybody else in the group. and that's just a dangerous road to go down because then you start wondering how much can I impress the people in the group? And we we're we're circling back again and again to that point. And that just shows you just how much of a danger it is in that type of sitting. 
because or in that type of setting because you don't want to portray yourself to be the smartest person in the group and fail, yet we're afraid to play the fool. When the truth is, going to stuff that Peterson's talked about again, it's good to play the fool. Because when you play the fool in the group, you're the one that's going to learn the most. If you play the, the, the genius, you're going to leave with the least benefit from having been there. So we can talk all day long, and we truly can if we want to. We can talk all day long about the importance of biblical conversation. But if you don't go into it with the desire to truly be the fool in the group that doesn't know anything, then it's all for naught. You're not going to learn a thing. You're going to leave there worse off than when you came. You might as well have just stayed home and watched TV. Mm. Then go there and go with the attitude of, I'm going to try and wow them with my intelligence. But if you go with the fool and divorce yourself from what you know and try to make friends with what you don't know, then you're going to leave that very enriched and you're going to leave that with tools that you can actually find yourself being the smartest person in the room maybe the next time around. But the beautiful thing is you're not going to be concerned about being the smartest person right. next time because you're going to see how much benefit playing the fool actually got you. So there is a profound benefit to the thought process of I can't know everything and possibly a good portion of what I think I know is wrong. <laughs> and and this is speaking from personal experience, especially God, where God's word is concerned. I have the ability to read and retain what I read and draw connections and, and make lines and understandings. Um, I have a topic that I taught years ago, and it was something an elder brought to me and said, hey, we want you to do a sermon on this. So I did. And what I taught as far as the material goes was sound, but it did not have anything to do with the passage they gave me. <laughs> I had an utter misunderstanding of what the passage was getting at. And it was brought to my attention by not just a younger brother, but my literal younger brother. Um, that, uh, that, why, that Why does that say that? That doesn't make any sense. Um, and my initial response was, you know, what do you know? You're, you're younger than I am. I know more than you. You just, you don't know what you're talking about. But I, I didn't demonstrate that attitude to him. Um, at least. So, yeah, not verbally. You did. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, and, and I walked away from that and went, well, now I've got to study this again and appreciated his understanding and, and, and have found that his understanding flowed better with the corpus of scripture as opposed to just taking this point out and making it fit the rest of my sermon. Um, and so that's, you know, that's just a very real example of how that can happen, but also the relationship that has to be there to get to that point and, yes. and bring this back around to what we talked about. How do you develop and foster this environment? And it is by getting around one another purposefully spending time together, developing those relationships, helping people understand that you want to learn, that you want them to learn, that you all together want to fulfill the body of Christ mm -hmm. and as a, as a whole look more like Christ. Yes, and develop those relationships not with the intent of building a cave or an echo chamber, but with the intent of building a sounding board. That's gonna. It's not going to send right back to you what you said, but it's going to either perfect it or at least show you where the holes are, praise what's good about it, and, and help you refine those things. Because 
you know, we talk about having these great relationships and, and, and developing this culture of having good conversations. And that's another danger of it. It's not all, it, it, it's not all just about talking and listening. There's, there's nuances to it is, are we talking and listening for the purpose of growing or are we doing it to grow in our own intelligence? Are we talking and listening for the purpose of just people hearing what we, or excuse me, uh, for people to tell us what we want to hear? Are we just surrounding ourselves with the type of people that are just going to tell us that we're right and that we're so smart and that we know everything that we're supposed to and that we're just the best things in sliced bread? You know, that's been that's been a big danger for me because I'm very gravitated towards people that agree with me. But the funny thing is, is I find myself surrounding myself with with people who are fairly, I was about to say confrontational. That's not the word. But yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I surround myself a lot with people who are uh, independent thinkers, independent thinkers, self-described mm-hmm. sledgehammers and <clears throat> intellectual sledgehammers and conversational sledgehammers. And that's far more valuable than an echo chamber for sure. So what we've been getting at Colossians three, beginning in verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so must also, so must you do also. In addition to all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ, to which you have indeed, which you were indeed called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And there's so much of what we have talked about that is summarized right there. That bearing with one another is not the American idea of putting up with. Um, When Jeffrey and I were younger, by and large, we put up with each other. When Christopher and I were younger, by and large, he put up with me. (laughs) Um, It is intentionally holding each other up as if you neither one could stand without the other. Bearing with each other, forgiving each other, minds of humility, heart of humility and compassion and kindness teaching and admonishing each other. And I've talked about the plan of God and the purpose of God in us having one another in this family unit that you can't Christian alone. The mind of God is too much for us to absorb on our own and to have the thought process that I perfectly understand the Bible is to say that I perfectly understand the mind of God, in in my opinion. And that is an exceedingly arrogant statement. Yeah. yeah. But if we have each other, then we have every tool that God has given us at our disposal to know and understand him and lean on each other as if we couldn't stand alone. Lean on each other as if we couldn't stand alone. I like that. I don't know if I would ever claim to fully understand other books that I've read besides the Bible. I don't know if I'd fully claim to understand Lewis, Tolkien, or any other major author that I've taken the time to read the whole thing because there's just seems to be no end to allegory and and illustrations and association with stuff and it's funny how we're we'll hang our hat so to speak and say I don't need to learn anymore about about scripture about this or that when we know that that's that's so far from the truth why do you think and we're getting close to wrapping up here with a couple of final thoughts but one thing 
we haven't touched on yet. A question that I sent out was this gravitation that we have towards open seating and areas of conversation. You know, it's just a philosophical thing that I've mulled over. But you, you think about open seating in the living room, an area around a fireplace where people might traditionally gather in a, in a public place and you get a lot of people together. And, and we all seem so ready to put ourselves in a position where we can easily gather around each other and have conversations. Sometimes even total strangers to a degree can do that, but especially among people who know each other. And we seem to purposefully put ourselves in positions almost unknowingly, purposefully, whatever way you want to put that, <laughs> but in positions where conversation is inevitable. And to me, that seems like a telltale sign that we were created by God to associate and converse with one another and to shy away from that is almost unnatural to, to, to stay to yourself. I'm not talking about introversion. I'm not talking about, you know, being a little bit shy. I'm saying to deny yourself opportunities for biblical conversation is to fight against your very nature. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's what I, what I talk about a lot of times at school is I'll have kids who kind of act like they're the outcast, mm -hmm. but, and, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh or anything, but a lot of times those kids who want to act as the outcasts, they act as an outcast because there's a group of kids known at the school as the outcasts. And so they fit in within that group, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it, it's, we, we want to be together with people and mm -hmm. regardless of, of, you know, how you define that, where, where you try to find that definition at, it is, it's like you said, God has built that within us to, mm -hmm. to be together. And the best place for us to be together is for people who, who love God and for who, love his his word love his truth love his people um love his kingdom and as we associate to that then we're definitely putting ourselves in the best position possible mm -hmm. yes and and when we do those things when we love god and accept his love through us it fills us up and overflows through us to where we truly desire these conversations we truly desire and and it comes from something deeper rooted than that, I hope, is a desire for the good of our brothers and sisters of the body of Christ, because these conversations are going to push us forward. Mm -hmm. They're going to drive us to be more Christ-like. And it, it, as all good things do, it starts with God, it flows from God, and we are the vessel of His Word. I, I love it after after service. Most of the time, I'll see this at least once, but after service, I'll, you know, everybody's, you know, in their little groups talking, but then I'll see the one group of guys, like two or three guys, and they've got a Bible out and you're like, oh man, I know, <laughs> I know the good stuff is going on. <laughs> I mean, there, there's other conversations I'm sure that are about, you know, biblical stuff, but whenever I see the guys with the Bible, like, yeah, okay, that's mm -hmm. where I'm headed. I yeah. want to go over there and see what's going on over here because you know, they got something going on. It's mm -hmm. good. Yeah. That was happening recently and that was a fairly heated, heated discussion too. <laughs> I remember who was involved specifically in that discussion. So give me an instance of when you had a biblical conversation with someone or a group of people even <clears throat> that resonates in your memory as having made you better for having been there. Not just simply, oh, I was lifted up and it enriched my spirit, which is good, not saying it's not, but one that you can specifically point to to say, I needed that and I would not be the same without it. I, I'll give you the archetype of mine because this is something I have pondered and, and mulled over often, but 
during Stratford's meetings, mom and dad would have whoever the evangelist was over to the house, usually, you know, ask them to be there around four. Well, we're not going to eat supper at four o'clock. But they were there while the food was cooking. And, and the way our house was set up, the dining room was right next to the kitchen and had a little bar in between. So it was basically open um, even while the food was cooking. Mom could be involved in the conversation. But sitting around the table, and, and we didn't sit in the living room. We didn't stand outside. We sat around the kitchen table, the dining room table. And mom or dad or both had questions for these guys. And then they would have conversation. And I was, I mean, we moved out of that house when I was 12. So pre-12 years old, sitting around listening to these conversations that were over my head at the time, but gaining the benefit of the wisdom of my folks and these other people. And, and they did the same thing with elders of the congregation. And and then we had Bible studies where we brought in, like Bud Jones came and did a series or two with us there in Stratford. But that, being around the table, being not involved, I mean, at that age, I, I didn't have anything to provide to the conversation, but it made me hunger and thirst for that more. So I, I, I don't know, I'm thinking of several, but one that I can think of is my, my grandmother. Um, she loved the, the 23rd Psalm. And I mean, she wouldn't read it without crying. And I just remember being over at her house all the time and she would, she would quote it to us and she would, you know, have us to memorize it and just some good memories from that. I remember one time I was preaching when we were at uh, 11th and Amarillo Street, and I was pretty young. I was, I don't know, I may, may have been 20 or something. I don't know, somewhere around there. I was very, pretty young. But I gave a lesson, and I remember after, and ev- I guess I'll leave their names out, but <laughs> an evangelist and an elder, after it was over, I was still standing at the front. I remember the, the, an evangelist and elder both were like running, like marching like bulls coming to oh, the front. Oh, man. Like, Let me know about something. <laughs> and it, it wasn't, it wasn't anything. It's just, uh, I, and I remember this has been this has been a long time ago now, but I had I had spoken about the I was speaking about the tabernacle, but I I was speaking about it as being the temple, and so they let me know that that this was the tabernacle you were talking about. You should not have called it the, the temple. But anyways, uh. I mean it was no big deal, and and it was all it was done in a loving you know in a loving way, um, and so but that's definitely still in my memory from many many years ago. I like how a lot of them start early and the importance of, of them being early. And I wish I could share one that happened to me at age 12 or, you know, mm-hmm. early on. Unfortunately, I wasn't given, I wasn't in a position where I was in the church at a young age, but but that shows to me just how important it is to have those conversations young and to be put in those positions young and to not discount what children can learn mm-hmm. at a young age. Yep. Uh, you know, the world wants to say, uh, give them a little bit longer. You know, they, they can't quite get this yet. Put them away from the from the difficult stuff. But man, they soak up so much. So they soak up more than we can we can ever imagine. I mean, even just as young as as John Mark is, he's picking up on things. You know, they're little, but they're not things that I would expect him to learn. Mm-hmm. And the older he gets, the more more aware I've got to be of what's on TV or what's going on around them, you know. And, I mean, to your point, well, you know, that started really early for me. Um, and, and there are specific conversations that I remember very well. Um, and, and it's stuff that, while I didn't understand 
at the time, I thought, I can't understand this, and, and it just bolstered me to go study. But the men that went to work in the 11th hour got their denarii too. So, mm -hmm. if you didn't have the early start, if you didn't have that opportunity to garner that while you were young, now's the time to start. The best time to plant a tree was 50 years ago. The next best time is right now. Amen. So, whatever spot you find yourself in, it, or if you had the opportunity didn't take it then, you have the opportunity now to start pushing that ball forward and working to foster that environment and encourage people to discuss things that are real. The, this life is, while it's real because we're living it, we're, we're immortal beings and everything we do matters towards eternity. Exactly. And if you're concerned about not having much time built up as others to build up biblical knowledge, to contribute to conversations, not for the purpose of puffing yourself up, but just for the purpose of contributing and uplifting others, and you're farther along in life, just remember a lot of people were pretty old in life before they got to be really subject experts in particular subject matters. You know, you can make the argument that the Apostle Paul had a lot of a lot of help, obviously, but he was later on in life before he ever became a Christian. C.S. Lewis was a lot older in life. He had a lot of groundwork, but that's the thing. Remember that you have the groundwork of being an intelligent human being at whatever age you are in life, of understanding what you lack. That takes a great amount of intelligence to begin with, understanding where you lack. And you can add to that pretty quick with vigorous intensity. And that vigorous intensity usually comes with either being a, a new convert or not just, to, not just to, the, to the faith, but also maybe a new convert to the importance of learning and growing and having those conversations. I'll and, oh, and, go ahead. And realizing, uh, like, especially, you know, like kind of what I envision we're talking about is there being like a group of people talking about the Bible. Mm -hmm. Remember, you could always change, you know, how you split that percentage up. And you could, when you start off making the speaking as 0% and making mm -hmm. the listening as 100%, mm -hmm. and start off that way and just like getting yourselves into groups and getting yourselves in situations where you can just listen mm -hmm. and man, you can just, you can get yourselves in, in a, in a good spot real quick. And yes. Just do that. A wise man once said nothing. I'll share my particular instance. It was actually fairly recently. It was poker night at Mitch's barn and it was, it was never meant to be what it turned out to be. It was, it was a poker night. We were, we were just playing cards and, the game wasn't even over, really. We just decided to let it go at one point. Nobody actually won. And we just got to talking about a certain biblical topic that was fairly divisive at the time. And that led into discussing other things about Scripture that had nothing to do with that original divisive topic. But it created an environment where everybody was willing to share some stuff that they had learned and I felt the courage in that moment to share something that I had learned that was a profound thought to me. And I don't know if it was just because of how late it was, because sometimes when it's late, everything is funny. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have a theory that when it's really late, everything is profound <laughs> to a degree. But but it, it solicited a response in one of the brethren that they thought what I said was a profound idea. And he's it, and he's one of those guys that struggles with some of the same things that I struggle with. And it, it wasn't the fact that I said something profound. It was the fact that something that I had realized that was a personal struggle of mine came up in conversation 
and helped him realize something about himself that he was able to change. And that all of that came just out of an organic situation that popped up out of nowhere and, because of a culture that was created. And, and yeah, I mean, that was exactly what I was about to say. We had the ability to talk about a topic that can be divisive without being divided, all pushing towards being closer to the truth. And what came out of it was beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. it, just, and it wasn't all, you know nodding our heads in agreement and yeah, no, you know, it was this not. is what we all think about it, but um I don't know that it should be that way because no. we're we're all different people striving towards the same goal. Well and it, it's uh something we talked about earlier but uh, about the accountability thing, you know, whenever we we speak about <clears throat> scriptures and it, it's such a good thing whenever you when you really learn who a person is and you don't learn how they you know, if they like hot weather or cold weather, but really who they are and what they struggle with and they know who you are it really just it just just makes it makes things so much better between you and whenever you truly learn each other on to, on the in you know in terms of God's word it just it just makes things more fun it just makes things uh just uh, just a better situation for everybody absolutely when you get to tap into the real mm-hmm. so if that's the encouragement that we can leave with listeners today tap into the real If you've been sitting across from somebody in your congregation for years and years and years and you've never had a quote unquote real conversation with them, I would encourage you to do that. Have a real conversation with them. Take the time to bring something up that's words of life, that has meaning to it, that's a spiritual truth and discuss it with them because I can guarantee you they want to discuss it. They're they're wanting the, the walls of the superficial relationship to be broken down and they want to have that kind of discussion. I really appreciate y'all guys coming on and talking today. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It has been a blast. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's been awesome. It's fun to get on here and talk and play big time podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we never get away from playing house as kids. We we just grow up and we we play like we're the big dogs in in other avenues. Appreciate y'all tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed that episode. If you have suggestions for future topics, please feel free to email them to scriptureinout at gmail.com. You can download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again for joining us. God bless you all, and Godspeed. Godspeed.